0: Some trouble. Spider-Sense is
1: spider sense Anybody else's Spider-Sense tingling? Welcome to Walloping Web Snappers, a Spider-Man podcast where we dive into every Spider-Man cartoon ever made. I'm Derek.
0: And I'm Doug. And
1: is your Spider-Sense Tingling? Pfft,
0: anybody could pretend their Spider Sense is tingling.
1: To listen to this show, find us on foureyedradio.com and wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs, illustration and design that fit your personality. For samples and inquiries, visit RevengeLover.com. And before we get into it this week, we did have some Word Snappers words last week.
0: <laughs> That's right. Like tangled but with explosions.
1: <laughs> yes, that was submitted by our patron Gemma Nicole. Yes. How did you feel about
0: getting I I don't even I I liked, like, I liked it. I liked it. I I was I was upset because I thought uh after the fact that I should have incorporated it two episodes ago and then Realized that I had the exact same opportunity and opening in the next episode because both oh, of them incorporated right. like fire slides. <laughs> so weird! It's yeah. such a weird coincidence. Because Sandman made a slide surrounded by explosions, and then Spider-Man made a slide surrounded by fire. So it worked out anyway. Cool. Yeah. Huh. Uh-huh. Maybe Spider-Man yeah. learned the slide trick from Sandman. He was so oh, moved. I love that.
1: I love the continuity there. That's yeah. fine. I'm yeah. going do that. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, if you would like to submit words, you can do that on our Patreon. You can be a patron at any level. And every month we have the option for you to submit words that we have to say so they can be as weird or nonsensical as you want. And we are required to work them into an episode that month. So you can go to patreon.com slash wallopingwebsnappers to do that. In the meantime, we're completing an arc on Spectacular Spider-Man. Yeah. The s- second of... Four arcs, and this is like kind of the midway point, so we're halfway done with this season.
0: Which means we're like 75% done with the whole show. (laughs) Yep, I know.
1: It's coming quickly, it's coming fast. fast. I yeah. already have I already have ideas for uh, for spider bites that we can do after it's over though. Oh, to, totally to extend to extend its life for for us for yeah. as long as possible. Oh yeah. So. Well, and we
0: well without getting specific, we'll revisit it at times for yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. confident.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, but yeah, like I said, this is, gonna, this is the end of the human development arc that we're going to dive into today. Um, if you do want to follow along with us, and we say this every time, but it's a good show, you should watch it. Even more, if you've never watched a
0: single show that we've ever talked about, this should be the one that you watch. Um, Even if you've listened to us without watching it, you should go back and watch it. <laughs> like, us yeah. talking about it is not doing it enough justice. It's not a replacement for watching it.
1: We do a good job of recapping it and sometimes I think you could argue we're a good replacement for some of like the ep- some some shows some episodes of shows sometimes. yeah, but definitely not this one. this one this one's yeah. great and good and worth it. And anytime we've ever had someone who said that they've tried to watch it along with us or started it because we were talking about it, they're like, I couldn't I couldn't wait. I just had to like it. I know, it because I it's
0: so love bad. that. Yeah, which is
1: like, yeah, it should be. I think it's good. And it's a show that benefits rewatch. So you can watch the whole thing and then go back and watch it all again alongside as you as you listen to our episodes. So yeah. I've definitely watched it multiple times. Um, but anyway, the reason I brought that up is because you can get it on DVD. Um, you can find the Blu-ray that, like we had said before, it is sold out. But you can Probably find it some places for probably a pretty penny. But otherwise, if not, on DVD you can also purchase it on some digital platforms. This is a fun fact. I, I don't know why I'm bring this up like now of all episodes, but it just like it hit me today while I was putting my Blu-ray in that I, I did get before it was out of print. I know when I got it because Still, it has a sticker on the front cover that, like, why they didn't put it on the plastic annoys me, because I can just, like, never peel it off without, like, ruining the cover. But I never will, because it is a coupon for a free ticket to Amazing Spider-Man
0: 2 in theaters. Whoa! I'm telling you, that series and and those movies—this series and those movies, rather— are Mm -hmm. just quantumly entangled.
1: I was, oh, that's why, that's one reason it was on my
0: mind too is because
1: this episode in particular, I was like, this really feels like uh, Amazing Spider-Man. We'll get to it. But yeah, it's (laughs) funny because that one Blu-ray is just like this funny little relic of like two Spider-Man properties or Spider-Man versions that were kind of killed by the transition to Disney. (laughs) Like all wrapped into one.
0: (laughs) One slightly more devastating than the other, but still both devastating to me. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, in their yeah, definitely in their own ways, for sure. We we talk about a lot. I don't know why there's so much like preface before we get into this episode,
0: but we talk well, about. I was <laughs> just telling you I haven't talked to another human being in like five days, so I can it explain that for myself. <laughs> that makes
1: sense. That makes sense. I've just drank. It's National Coffee Day when we're recording this, oh. so I drank a lot of coffee. I normally do anyway. I just have had more than usual, I guess. So maybe good that's combo. Why. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, what was I saying? Uh,
0: These two Oh, oh yeah.
1: Um, it, well, yeah. You can, on our Patreon, actually, and I'm going to do another plug because we do have a four-parter on the canceled Spider-Man movies and the last episode on there is on the Amazing Spider-Man Spider-Verse, yes. which is something reading about it, like, I was always kind of ambivalent towards the Amazing Spider-Man, but kind of doing research on, like, some of the plans that they were tossing around, even if it was in the early stages and whatever have happened, the fact that they were thinking about some pretty wild things like made me a little bit sad that we didn't get to see some of it not to say that i don't like what has been done with spider-man in the mcu but there's definitely some stuff even though no matter how you feel about the amazing spider-man movies like i said i'm kind of ambivalent on them but some of the plans that they had
0: were really interesting so listen,
1: to go back and listen to that spider bite on our patreon
0: yep and all those episodes are available at the one dollar level so easy peasy Yes.
1: yes they are Let's, let's talk about this episode, let's which is it. available for free. <laughs> we're, I've got some weird energy tonight. I don't know for what's For free!
0: Going
1: on. <laughs> 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 we're, t- we're talking about the Spectacular Spider-Man Season 2, Episode 7, entitled Identity Crisis. These synopsis per IMDb that I'm going to read mostly cold, but I did see a little bit of it, and it's going to be fun to read as usual. Editor J. Jonah Jameson's analysis, who might be Spider-Man, indicates Peter. Wow. Okay. So he sends reporters to question everybody about his whereabouts. Not his whereabouts. He knows where he is. (laughs) Eddie returns to the lab, the lab, and steals a gene cleanser to rob Spidey of his powers and deals with helpless Peter and his loved ones. Okay. Jealous of the media attention. No. No. Flash poses in a Spider-Man suit. Crooks see his crutches and think Spider-Man is at his weakest. Captain Stacy holds a seminar on identity risks.
0: (laughs) Again, the balance between the things they choose to include in these synopses is, like, not correct. (laughs) Some of these things are so insignificant, and some of them are not nearly present enough.
1: (laughs) Yeah, really would love to meet the person who wrote these just to just to pick their brain a little bit.
0: Yeah, just a if little bit. If you can prove, if you are somehow listening to this podcast, well, I'm sorry because then we've just
1: been making fun of you for the past like, no, 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 no. <laughs> we,
0: we love, we have strong affinity for whoever's writing these. Yeah. So if you're somehow listening to this and you're the one who wrote this and can prove it, we want to talk to you. <laughs> yeah, it's great. In appreciation, we would love to meet you virtually through this podcast.
1: <laughs> Again, literally, no one else. Is writing. There's no other – anybody can edit the IMDb right. synopsis and right. nobody else is. So, like, <laughs> hey, more power to you, person. Good for you for, for trying to stand up for this little show that could. Exactly.
0: <laughs> we love you for that.
1: Yeah. International air date for this episode was March 1st, 2009, and then it aired in the U.S., July 27th, 2009. It's written by familiar people, uh, or written and directed by familiar people, I should say. Andrew Robinson and directed by Jennifer Coyle. Both of them have worked on a ton of episodes. Any episode, (laughs) you can hear us talk about them. So, (laughs) Usual, usual suspects this time.
0: Yeah. No major characters introduced in this episode, but we're kind of at a point in the series where there are some characters we've talked about a few times that never really had a significant presence in an episode, but are getting significant episodes now so i do want to mention ned lee who we have mentioned a number of times but never gave proper attention to because there was never an episode that really spotlighted him he just kind of was there in the office but this one does kind of spotlight him at least enough to justify talking about him and his voice actor so ned lee who we know well is voiced by andrew caschino he's also the voice of kenny kong in this series uh, so we can shout out the actor for Kenny Kong, too, because it's the same person. Nice. And recently he can be heard voicing Jackalman in the 2020 Thundercats, which I actually want to check out. I know that's <laughs> polarizing opinion, but I really want to watch that show. Sure. Janja Ora and Hitashi in The Lion Guard, like The Lion King, The Lion Guard show. He was Shredder in the Batman versus Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles animated movie and Kevin in Steven Universe, among plenty of other guest appearances and other animated properties. Uh, he also voiced Captain Hark in Star Wars Rebels and Saw Guerrera in Star Wars The Clone Wars, which was oh. uh, an interesting thing I would not have expected. Interesting. He also voices Fong, Sid, and a number of other characters in 2012's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And has, this is fun, served as an announcer or narrator for a number of like documentary-style reality TV shows. Hmm. Uh, like From G's to Gents, or Shedding for the Wedding, which doesn't sound problematic at all.
1: yikes, yikes, yikes. okay. okay.
0: <laughs> and I guess he was an announcer for Family Game Night for a couple seasons, so...
1: Yeah, he has, he has a voice that sounds. It makes sense. I don't know why. Yeah. I don't know what it is about it, but it so- He sounds like the voice that could be a voice of a reality show.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think it's like uh, it's a, it's it's strong, but it's not abrasive necessarily. So it's like yeah, a good. I think it's just a good narrator or announcer voice. It seems like.
1: Sure. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Well, uh, let's go ahead and start getting into this episode. Let's do then. it. This episode opens like the past two episodes. There is kind of a framing device for this show, though not as not as like intense and explicit as the last two episodes. And oh!
0: I, at the end of last episode, you asked oh, yeah. me if I could predict what it was going to be, and I I was I couldn't think of anything at the time. I think I said like I don't know, maybe like phone conversations or something. I couldn't remember even what I guessed, but <laughs> I don't remember either. Like for some reason, right before I I hit play on these episodes, I was like a guidance counselor. That would be such a good one. And I wasn't, I wasn't right, but I think I was much closer than my initial guesses. <laughs>
1: yeah. Because
0: that would no, that at least sense. still be sort of interviewee, which is kind of the direction they go in this one.
1: Yeah, interview interview tied to the circumstances, yeah. too. Because I think your idea was something – I don't remember what it was either, actually. Well, I was like, oh, well, I'll be pleasantly surprised when we listen to that one when it's done. But I, I think it had nothing to do with the no. situation of Peter's identity anyway. So, yeah. I mean, it's clever. There, I have, I have some – minor issues with this episode i think in terms of like potential and this is one of the this is kind of a, a super duper minor piece of it because i don't really mind this that much um but it does feel like after the last two episodes i feel like the framing devices were like the shakespeare one i think was used really effectively in how and how everything kind of had a nice little double meaning and then the birthday one there at least was enough of it that you got like characterization from it this one there's only a few of them and like I like that most of them are kind of played for comedy, but they also, like, end up just sort of being kind of feeling a little bit flat, even if, like, individually they're sort of funny, like, as a framing device. Like, if I just got this episode and didn't see the past two or something, or or we didn't have that device in the past two episodes, I thought it would have been cool. But having been set up kind of a higher bar with those two, um, I think that this one ended up, for being kind of like the arc ender with this setup, it felt a little bit disappointing to me.
0: I feel that, and I think it's. I think that's exactly the risk you run when you decide to sort of like commit to a thing for a like for a whole arc or a particular chunk, right? Because then you're like, well, let's do this thing for this arc, but it's got to be different for every single one. You have two strong ideas and one that's like okay. I don't know. It like just ends up falling short when you didn't have to necessarily commit to doing it for all three of these episodes in the first place. I think it would have been totally fine to do it for the first two and just not do it for this one, I don't think it would have stood out. Like I know that we know that they're arcs, but mm-hmm. I don't think it would have felt like something was dropped because the other two felt like natural natural occurrences of the circumstances. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. It's weird because this one is a natural occurrence of the circumstance too. Like I think this one might be uh, – It's this this one I feel like is even more – kind of intertwined with the main plot than the last two were. Um, I think it's, it's more like,
0: integrated though. So it feels less like a thing. That might like, be it what it is. It doesn't feel as like strongly a storytelling mechanic as the other two did.
1: Uh, yeah. I think, and actually not, I'm just going to dig right into all my issues right at the at the top, I guess, because they're all <laughs> sort of intertwined with this because I think, so the, the main issue that I have with this episode and why I, it feels disappointing to me. It feels kind of harsh to say that because uh, no episode of the show is ever disappointing, but not, not as, not as satisfying as I wanted it to be is that I think there's a lot of time spent on like the climactic battle at the end of it that I think maybe could have been spent into dealing a little bit more with what's going on in Peter's personal life right now. And I think that if we got like an interview with more of his actual school friends, like, I don't know, his current girlfriend, who doesn't even appear in this episode that's about Peter's identity being exposed. That seems weird to me. I think I'd feel a little bit better because at least like her or like Harry, given that, you know, he he has his own secret identity that he was dealing with that Spider-Man was in on and yeah. if Peter is Spider-Man, that that's complicated. We don't hear any of his perspective when this is sort of like out more taken seriously in the world. So like we're missing that. And I think if we had like at least like maybe just those two added in as, as this framing device piece of it, like hearing their interview, Interview, I think maybe it would have felt a little more substantial. But as it stands, every single person who's interviewed, except for Flash, is just kind of played as a joke. Like, and even Flash's is kind of jokey, even if it plays into the plot. So, like, yeah, I think there's substance missing from this episode. Or, like, not sub. Okay. I think there's missed potential in this episode, is how I'm going to put it.
0: I think this episode alone could have been its own three-episode arc within this series. And I know that it ties into things that happened in the first two episodes of this arc. So it's not to say that they should get rid of or take away from those first two. But I do think along the lines of like something feels missing or potential wasn't hit or there was an imbalance of like content. I think part of that for me, and this is something I already kind of felt because I felt like the story that was told in this episode went by really fast. I I feel like this could have been more than one episode. Not to replace anything, but just it could have been more. (laughs) Yep, definitely could have been. But it's still cool. The stuff that I think they spent a lot of time on is still fucking cool.
1: That's why I don't want to. I feel weird saying like disappointed. Like I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't want want that to be where I land. I think where I land is that there is just some mispotential potential in a really great concept that they have. Because I really like the concept of it. I like a lot of the ways that they sort of handle this. And I like the way that Venom is portrayed in this episode, especially. It's just like, yeah, there is something a little bit off balance about it that you don't normally get in this show. Normally, I feel like they're always capitalizing on every bit of potential that they have, even if they can only devote like a few seconds to it. Like, I think they're usually normally really tight and really mindful about how much time they're devoting to everything. And in this case, there just seems to be some missing pieces that they really needed to address or at least mildly touch on in some way that are just like completely avoided for i can only assume time
0: i think some of that might tie into my feelings of the like into the arc overall but we could save that for the end and dig into some of the plot stuff let's
1: do it let's talk about the actual episode that we barely started (laughs) So like we were saying, this episode has this framing device of like interviews and everything, and it opens with an interview slash interrogation of Peter Parker, presumably like right after the end of the last episode. Uh, Ned Lee's interrogating him about being Spider-Man. Peter's like, for the godzillionth time, I'm not Spider-Man, which I'm going to adopt into my lingo Mm -hmm. starting now. Jameson interrupts the interrogation to uh, insist that Ned interview everyone Spider-Man's ever fought, and even everyone Peter knows, because he's he's, he's going to run with the story. Um, Robbie kind of, like, solemnly tells Peter to go home and get some rest, and Peter's like, my whole world's about to crumble, this is horrible. And and there is, like, a moment where they're like, do you think it's really Peter? And they're like, eh, ah, he's just a kid, like, this doesn't make sense. But just in case... <laughs> we prepared a front page ready to print in the event that Peter is confirmed to be Spider-Man that explicitly says Peter Parker is Spider-Man.
0: I don't know why this hit me so much in this episode, and it's only ever really hit me once before. Mm-hmm. Far From Home spoilers incoming if you haven't seen that movie, I guess. But it really hit me in this episode more even than in Far From Home, where it hit me, I think, for the first time how horrible it would be to out like a high school age kid yeah as a superhero like truly a despicable thing to do i think i think that's where i land on this i think it's I an awful too. thing to do like genuinely a bad person thing to do
1: i agree <laughs> it gives me like jj i can sort of i can understand because he's he when it comes to spider-man like you've said before like he just loses his mind like he does not think. Right. Totally irrational person. I'm disappointed in Robbie, who never generally seemed to be a pretty cool-headed guy. Who is just like, I mean, yeah, we got it ready to print. Like he doesn't seem to really have a lot of apprehensions about this. Like, and yeah, objectively, very good story that makes sense that it's going to sell a lot of papers. But it feels kind of unethical considering he's a minor.
0: Right, and I think I feel like the dynamic should have been that Jameson loses his his sort of rational thinking brain because it's related to Spider-Man. So you kind of know where he's coming from, even if it's terrible. Ned, I think, sort of has this, like, I'm compelled to figure it out, if not necessarily compelled to expose, right? Right. Like, yeah. that sort of seems to be his mindset, I think, throughout the whole episode. But And I that's think he's been, that was set up last season, too, because he yeah. had a whole arc that didn't really
1: go anywhere last right. season of wanting to amass Spider-Man. So it makes sense.
0: Yeah. And so I think then Robbie needs to be, and I think I would have expected to be, the person who's like, well, let's just be careful. If it's Peter, we need to be careful. But he doesn't do that. And so I'm just like, nope. God, you're all being kind of awful. Like yeah, this is someone needs to be looking out. And and we don't really have we don't really have a real life comparison. Oddly enough, I think that the and this is I, I I'm I'm frustrated that I can't think of a better example, but I don't think there is one. The best example I can think of in the real world is people who are underage who've committed crimes. And the way that the news and media treats that versus, I um, hmm. like what I can't think of something better. I was, but but it's weird because we're talking like superheroes.
1: I was it is it is weird because there there is there is there's like there but there is sort of a criminal element to it because technically being a v- vigilante is right. like illegal or whatever. But I I think that it's a mix of that with like. When you have like teen pop stars or celebrities who who get who get their personal lives invaded, which is still different, right? But and because I because it's not of like that. they're being outed for anything, right? But I think that it's sort of like there's like it's like a mixture of those two things.
0: Yeah, it's it's weird because I feel like in both of those circumstances, with like a teenage celebrity or like a teenage criminal, there's right, like you said, there's no outing of it necessarily, especially if you're a teenage celebrity, like. Teenage celebrities don't, and no celebrities, owe anybody anything from their personal lives. I want to make that abundantly clear. None of them owe us anything from their personal lives. But as far as who they are or their persona, it's not a secret, right? So, like, the thing you would out them for would be something very personal. And I feel like most people would be like, that seems icky or wrong. Like, that's not something they wanted you to know. Mm -hmm. And so there's still, like, a debate about that. The criminal one, it's like, I guess it's kind of, it's a little bit more of an outing thing because it's usually not something done, usually not something done for celebrity. But then again, you're like, yeah, but you like, if if you're underage and we know who you are, you probably did something pretty horrible. So like, I don't feel bad. This is like a weird, yeah, it's like a weird middle ground. So I don't have like a good analogy for it. So all I can do is feel like icky hypothetically, <laughs> which is like weird.
1: Yeah, it is like, weird. I think
0: this is terrible. <laughs> It is
1: weird. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's that's how I land this. This episode in general has a pretty poor view of the media, like of the news media. Not that it's like wrong, but like there's no journalist in this episode that's not like either a piece of shit or very stupid.
0: It's like- a very it's a very <laughs> basic reporter stereotype. that they they lean on. They're not doing anything different than so many shows have done. Yeah. But you would expect them to be better about it just because they tend to be better about everything.
1: Well, and because they do have a cast of characters that do work for a newspaper, that in a show that's generally like will show hidden depths, and literally, I mean, you know, we we've very recently I feel like seen some hidden depths, even in the last episode, like the last episode, like we saw some hidden depths in Jameson, like we know that he's not always like a ranting madman, too. Yeah, like you know, like we know that with these characters, so it is surprising that they're sort of have to be boiled down to just like ravenous over proving the 16 year old is a masked vigilante, like that every single person is on board with it or anyone that wouldn't be on board with it. We just like that just don't have a voice. Like we never hear from anyone. Not that like Betty could do anything, but I do wonder like what really would be her reaction to all this. We don't really get it, you know, like she knows Peter pretty person. She knows Peter pretty personally and we don't get her reaction at all. It's just kind of avoided.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. The people you would expect to have a perspective either just don't have it or don't speak.
1: Yeah, it, it it's it's weird because it's like it in a way it, it feels sort of like intentional because so many characters that you would have expected to have a role in this episode really just don't at all. Even Aunt May gets like one line,
0: yeah. you know, like it's, all the people that, that you I would feel ex- like, this could have been a whole three
1: part arc. Yeah. It's, it's strange. And I feel, like I said, it feel, it almost feels intentional because they sort of realized how complex it would, re- it would be in reality. So it's sort of like, well, let's narrow it down to the bare minimum and actually not get super in depth with his personal life and, and just kind of be on the outskirts of what it would be like to be hounded by the, the paparazzi in the news essentially that's what it feels Um,
0: more like it feels way more like a paparazzi story than it does an expose
1: yeah which is like fine i I can sort of see that for the efficiency of writing yeah because they also have to have him fight venom a lot like that has to happen but it's just like i think that's another reason why this episode ends up feeling unsatisfying because this show has done such a good job of of fleshing out all of these different aspects of Peter's life. And the one episode that really seems to combine his superhero life with his personal life just does not deal with his personal life at all. Yeah. It's, it's,
0: it's strange.
1: (laughs) It's strange. Like I said, fun episode. I enjoy watching it. It's a really fun episode. It's just weird to look back on it. It's just it's just a strange one.
0: Yeah. Well, we get our credits, which means we are going to talk about the folks highlighted in the credits because we're tracking that. And once again, I think your theory stands. It hasn't been shaken yet because this time we get Gwen Flash and J. Jonah Jameson.
1: Uh Uh-huh. From there we get to an interview again, this time this one is I think this is funny, like in the meta sense. So yeah. Ned Lee asks Norman Osborne if he believes Peter Parker and Spider-Man could be one and the same. After kind of a contemplative silence, Osborne simply answers no, which is Alan Raken's only line in this whole episode <laughs> <laughs> is the word no. <laughs>
0: no. Do you think do you think it was like just pulled from another episode? <laughs>
1: it could be i mean that's i did i haven't i did notice that in this one and mostly just this one like there's so many characters that are in this that get like three words yeah. in it because of how many characters are sort of bounced around yeah. and i do wonder sometimes it's sort of like do you guys like batch these together? Like, bring them in for one recording session and be like, "Okay, here's this episode." Also, can you say like the th- four words that are spread over the next six episodes? Let's <laughs> right? just do that now, okay? <laughs> also, I know,
0: I know this is, I, I'm calling this out up front. I know this is not giving nearly enough credit to voice acting, but sometimes I do wonder if they're just like, "Hey, can we record like a couple of common phrases in a in a couple of different ways, just in case?" And like, yes, no, and like a couple like catchphrasy things seem like the type of things that you might wants extras or overabundance of to be able to like play with. So I just have to wonder like did they just pull this no from somewhere or was this like was this very Vin Diesel and like here's your situation. Here's the context. We want you to deliver no.
1: It, it, well, it is a very specific no it is. that he delivers. It really so, like, is. I think, yeah, it, it sounds like there was acting involved in it. Of is course. Thing. So, I don't think it was just pulled from another
0: episode. Yeah, it's just so funny because you want to, you want to think that they wouldn't. And again, they probably do batch recording, right? They're not all coming in like you would for a stage rehearsal, you know. But uh, it's just so funny to think, like, all right, for this episode, you're just saying no. <laughs> Exactly. It's fun. Anywho.
1: Yeah, yeah. But so that happens. That's our first interview. We cut to our first interview with anyone other than Peter, I should say. And we cut to Midtown, where Harry meets Peter at his locker and is like, Hey Peter, why why was there a reporter asking my dad about you like being Spider Man? And of course, this episode highlights very well that actually Peter is extremely bad at his secret identity, which we have pointed out numerous times Mm. throughout this show. Case in point, he's got his mask just like hanging out of his bag in his locker and um. has to, like, very obviously hide it in front of uh, Harry. He'll be like, no, I I don't know. I'm not Spider-Man who? What? I didn't say anything about Spider-Man.
0: <laughs> What's a Spider-Man?
1: <laughs> but, yeah, you know, as he's like, I don't have any idea, Flash passes by them and is pursuing Shoshan still. He catches up to her. And she's like, really, Flash. There is no point. I'm not going out with you. And walks away. And Flash is like, but I'm a, I'm a man, and I'm entitled to women.
0: Shoshana's is an icon.
1: She rules. She totally rules. I love her. But uh, <laughs> I love this too. So he does see Mr. Devereaux, who, as we know, is directing the play that Shoshana's is in, which Flash did not get into. So he passes. He, uh, Mr. Devereux passes Flash. Flash follows him, seeing an opportunity. And he's like, yo, Mr. Devereaux. And Mr. Devereaux, after, like, this really great pause, is like, yo. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Mr. Devereaux is awesome.
1: He's also kind of an icon. Because uh, Flash is trying to ask him. He's try, Flash, actually, it's, kinda, it's a smart... It's like, I get I get where Flash is coming from. It's actually a smart move. Because he's, like, laying it on. He's like, look, look, you didn't give me a part in the play. Cool, fine, whatever. I forgive you for that. But... <laughs> I have a girl I want to impress and she's in the play. So you know how it is with guys and girls, right? Um, and Mr. Devereux like fully gets it. He just doesn't care. And he's like, I'm not a dating service. Bye.
0: Yeah. Is this smart on Flash's part?
1: Like, no, it's not smart. It's not smart. It's just, <laughs> I get, but I understand his, I think his logic kind of is because it's sort of like, he's not trying to trick anybody. Like that is a very normal human thing to be like, I like a girl. Do you also like girls? You know how it is wanting to oppress girls. Like he's actually kind of like meeting him on, trying to meet him on a human level. It's stupid because he's like a teacher <laughs> and, a, and a highly esteemed director yeah. of a play. So like, it's a dumb move. But I think that like, that sort of um, bluntness, honestly, or like honesty and trying to like meet someone on a human level, I think is something that like more people would often benefit from doing Sure, at least in like dramatic storytelling. Sometimes just like, just say how you feel, buddy, just say what's going on. Sure. And maybe people will understand where you're coming from.
0: <laughs> yes, that does make sense. That does make sense.
1: <laughs> it just doesn't work here. Cause you know, <laughs> of course
0: it was never going to work. <laughs> never. Right. right. <laughs> well, later in one of his lessons, Captain Stacy is talking about the importance of keeping personal information private these lessons are interesting <laughs> like, i i i get and can see yeah. why they incorporated captain stacy into this guest teacher role and i i am expecting that it will tie up in a particular way that will explain this a little bit better but thus far i feel like his lessons are sort of like okay <laughs> like we have captain stacy here to be sort of like our mechanic for incorporating some of our <laughs> themes where we probably didn't need captain Stacy to be the one to do it, but there's a thing happening with captain Stacy. So it's not like he's totally shoehorned in.
1: Yeah. And it also, I think it's more set up for, cause the next arc after this is the criminology arc and he's teaching criminology in his class. So I think some of that sort of seeding. I figured like, as much because, next, yeah. because
0: in the, in the two or in this episode and in next episode, Um, he's there and, like, if you didn't kind of understand how the show worked, you might wonder, like, what's the point of this? But I can see that it's going somewhere. So. Yeah. A little weird that, like, the, the, the lesson that he's brought in to teach is, like, personal information should be private. Right. But it, it, it plays into what they're doing, so it's fine.
1: Yeah, it is still funny, though, because it's just, like, I thought, we're gonna, we're probably... I don't, I don't remember how much his criminology class, like what's he, what he's actually teaching, like really, I I feel like we might end up having to have a conversation about Captain Stacy, like being in the police force and teaching criminology Probably. and like how, how that plays. But right now it's so like, it, it's so not, not a part of it. And he's not even teaching about being a cop right. right now. He's teaching about identity theft. So like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think that might be a thing we'll have to talk about
0: yeah and i think that's part of it right like it feels sort of benign in addition to feeling sort of like just there i think the fact that like the combination of students in the class also doesn't really make a whole lot of sense because it's just like always the people we're always looking at (laughs) with like no extras which isn't the first time they've done that yeah but it's always the case in captain stacy's and it's not even consistent so it always leaves me wondering like what is this class but None of that matters. It's fine. Yeah.
1: It's fine. It's fine. It's, it's fine. fine. It's fine. It's, it's fine. theme
0: stuff. It's theme stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly, stuff. exactly. So exactly. he's he's talking about the importance of keeping personal information private, which obviously we recognize is part of the theme of this episode with Spider-Man and Peter Parker uh, having to protect his identity. So um, that's part of why that's here. The other thing that's interesting about this scene, or the thing that's probably more interesting to me, is Mary Jane actually catches Mark Allen, who we mentioned very briefly, Previously, looking at her during the class and seemingly drawing on a piece of paper while looking at her. And so after class, when he throws that piece of paper away, she grabs it from the trash and opens it up and it's a portrait of her. And then she smiles. And we put that in our pocket for later. It's gotta be really easy to do like realistic portraits
1: of people in this universe where everyone <laughs> looks like this.
0: My face is made of seven lines. <laughs> wow what an artist <laughs> i do like that it's literally just like a pencil drawing of her model so it is like a perfect portrait but for the exact reason you're talking about
1: <laughs> yeah it's funny they don't
0: even try to make it like look artsy other than making like a pencily line
1: <laughs> yeah they don't do any, and they it's don't do any sketchy. kind of like yeah, they don't do any kind of like or like some pencil shading or anything like that. <laughs> yeah. It's just Yeah, it is literally her her, her mo the outline of her model with some yeah. pieces like erased out of it to make it look more <laughs> pencil-y. It's funny. We do not that we don't need to call it out every time, but I think it's worth calling it out, especially since sometimes these jokes repeat. But uh there's oh, another yeah. joke of Hobie where he tries to ask a question and the bell rings. Right, he's asking the question so he can't speak again. <laughs> Hobie is always silenced, yep. which has some was a weird connotation to it. but, uh, well, but uh, in this show, it doesn't, though. Like <laughs> It doesn't. It.
0: In this show, because I'm assuming you're talking about, like, the fact that Hobie is a black man in the school, never getting the chance to talk and always being interrupted. Yeah. But, like, they made this show so diverse that, like, in the general landscape, it has implications. But I feel like in this show, yeah. it doesn't really have too many implications. Although there aren't really any, like... I guess there aren't really any black folks like in Peter's immediate circle. Are there not really? I mean, like the closest Look, glory is, like, and, Rand, like, and Rand, but like
1: they're not like really fre- friends with him. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but there are
0: still two other black characters who get to like talk and have agency and have like yeah. fleshed out personalities. So,
1: and it is, and it is just something that like this random character has like his own, <laughs> yeah. his own running joke. Like yeah. for presumably no reason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and also highlights this common TV trope that that just drives you bonkers, but I get why it happens, but it drives you bonkers, of, like, no teacher ever, like, has a lesson plan, apparently, never, like, plots yep. out how long the class is, because their class, their bell always rings, like, in the middle of the lesson. Mm-hmm. Like, let the kid answer the damn question. Why did you, why were you presenting the option for questions if the bell was about to ring? What are yep. you doing? I don't know. I'll give you some leeway, George Stacy, considering you're not like a teacher as your day job. You're doing this as like a guest <laughs> seminar. I'll give you this one time. It better not ever happen again.
0: Uh huh. <laughs> I'm anyway, sure it won't.
1: Put a pin in that for later. <laughs> <laughs> so after class is over, we cut to another interview. Ned is asking the doctors Connors if Peter Parker could be Spider Man, and they both immediately laugh hysterically, Love and this. it's funny. I love it. They're laughing hysterically. And then they sort of just start like, but wait, remember that. What you don't mean. Are, are you talking about? Hmm. No comment.
0: <laughs> I like that. That might be my favorite interview, to be honest. It's good. Only it's Only because good. they immediately burst out into laughter. So funny.
1: Yeah, they do. And it, um, that's the thing that we, we've talked about before, that it's like, if anybody's going to put the pieces together, Peter Parker being Spider-Man, it would be Martha, if not Martha and Kurt. So like, yeah. It kind of makes sense. <laughs> it should be, yeah.
0: Kurt, you normally you would say Kurt like should absolutely be the one to figure it out, but in this particular universe, like it feels like Martha should already know. Yeah. Speaking of the doctors, Connors.
1: Yeah. We get
0: some lab time. So yep. in in their lab, as Peter and Gwen are labeling and organizing vials and kind of being like cutesy flirty about it, which I think is worth pointing out. They like.
1: I think it's very worth pointing out. Almost
0: yeah. put their vial in the same you know whole and then are like "Oop!" Gwen is so giggly in this
1: episode it's really weird after like the first half of the season she's just like so dour like understandably yeah either like angry sad scared traumatized or just like up generally upset and then i guess the idea it's it's sort of weird like I, it, it was off-putting to me because it feels like such a distinct shift that she's like just now seems to just be like fine but i guess like It's been a long enough time that she's just sort of settling with having her own boyfriend and Peter having his girlfriend. And they have hung out a few times since then that it's like maybe weirdly a sense of like that cloud is sort of lifting. And it's a sense of comfort like the old days kind of for them when they're together. I think that's
0: what I chalk it up to is sort of like even if Harry isn't who she initially wanted to couple up with, she did get to a point where she's like, well, I don't want to be somebody's second choice. And maybe I'm not totally over that. But... I still like Harry and I'm hoping that this is an indicator that like, that's generally going well, you know, like, yeah, even if it wasn't her initial choice, like it's part of her, it's probably wrapped up in her coping process of like getting past being somebody's second choice. So like, yeah, it makes sense.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm cool with, I'm cool with believing that. Yeah. What isn't great? <laughs> Eddie walks through the door and interrupts their little giggle sesh. Yeah. And, Anybody who shows up literally proclaiming the prodigal son returns, I don't think that's ever a person you can trust or that's a good sign. Nobody who's, like, good ever says that. Like, that's not a thing that you say.
0: It's Uh, not a way you (laughs) want to describe yourself even if you do. You know what I mean? Like, there are times where you might describe yourself that way, but you should be aware of the fact that, like, that's not necessarily, like, a good thing. It's like a thing you shouldn't necessarily want to have been. Yeah. Even if you recognize it. So, yep. not presenting this the right way, Eddie. Also, I get why he's wearing the t shirt because it's literally the symbiote, but I miss the t shirt and jacket combo so much. It's
1: also like January or February in New York City. Well, like, I know the symb- You could argue the symbiote gives yeah. body heat or some bullshit. But or people whatever, should be wondering, like, <laughs> like Eddie, where's yeah. your
0: coat? You wore a coat in August, <laughs> right, sir. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> I just particularly don't like the. Ver- You've pointed out the sort of like weird toy joints that they have for elbows. Mm-hmm. Eddie's entire torso musculature is like that same same design, where like everything is so dramatically segmented it looks like he has like a bug exoskeleton on him it's weird i don't like it but it's i mean it's obviously meant to make him look different and he does so Mm -hmm. it works i just don't like it
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah
0: but yeah he, he he pops in he announces himself the prodigal son everybody except peter is like whoa eddie oh my gosh like welcome back where have you been oh my goodness like it's been so long and and Gwen straight up asks, like, where were you? You know, I think he initially said something to the effect of, like, I was taking some time off after the – I don't even remember how he put the it. downsizing. That's right. Yeah, basically getting fired. Yeah. But not – you know, but it is more like a downsizing thing. Yeah. That's what he says. But Gwen is like, no, seriously, like, where were you? Because, like, on that day, referring back to Thanksgiving, which we've mentioned frequently that she's still clearly traumatized by – Like, you were there, and then you weren't. Like, what happened? And he doesn't really answer her, but says that he will answer her over coffee. Just the two of them. He'll fill her in. Peter... Very wary of this dynamic based on what happened and all the knowledge he has is like, no, that's absolutely not going to happen. He says as much out loud. He says like, nope, sorry, Gwen cannot come with you. Cannot get coffee because she and I have plans with Liz and Harry. So bye. We're going to go now and tries to like skedaddle out of there and isn't super successful, but gives it a shot.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Martha Connors does offer Eddie his job back. Cause they love him. And to them, he's still that kind of precious beam of light that we used to know way it's back more reliable ago. than Peter. <laughs> and it's true. And you know, so of course he accepts, but before Peter can like get out of there after, after he's got the job, he pulls Peter aside for a moment alone and expresses how unimpressed he is by the bugles failure to run their expose. Peter breaks away and leaves the lab, you know, getting, getting away from him, luckily. And Eddie doesn't like follow or anything like that. But unfortunately he still can't get on with his life, and is now met by a swarm of cameras and reporters asking him if he's uh if it's true he's Spider-Man. Gwen is out there too, and this is she's giggling again because she's laughing at the question of Peter Parker being Spider-Man. But then the reporters start to like bother her, which is too much, and that gets Peter to yeah. grab Gwen and run away.
0: Here's the thing that bothers me the most about the reporters, aside from the fact that it's like A very sort of basic stereotype of like the annoying reporter mob. How are we to. I know that they sort of allude to an answer to this question at the very end of this episode, Mm -hmm. but at this point in the episode, how are we to understand that the reporters know that Peter is rumored to be Spider Man? Yeah,
1: my only guess is that it's just like somebody, it just got leaked from the Bugle. Like somebody. Know, somebody has an inside man they have like they a friend that they have working at the bugle that filled them in or they like overheard or i mean i I've, I've i don't know how true this is in like real life i imagine there's some extent of it but i know like in a lot of journalism movies that they're kind of trying to take <laughs> yeah. some pieces from there's sometimes when you'll have like your mole yeah. journalist or whatever, or, or somebody who's like their whole job is to like get a job delivering like pizza or coffee or whatever, and then overhear what the journalists are talking about and bring that back to the rival newspaper or whatever. So like they don't explain that at all in this because nothing has been printed. But it's I think I think we're just done. I think you can take it as this the news just spreads like that. It's just
0: yeah, you know. it's it's like not that important, so it shouldn't. But I I actually think of all the things, that's the thing about this episode that bothers me the most because it's such an important part of this episode for this like mob of reporters to be following and bothering him. And they're like frequently audience to the things that are happening yeah, in an important way. Yep. But they explicitly say that the bugle doesn't run the story and they make a yeah. point of that. And the, the last interaction Peter has with anyone is somebody saying, I'm really unimpressed that they, they didn't run this. And then the next thing you see is a mob of reporters knowing that exact story so it's like a little weird to me that they wouldn't address that in any way i like i said the end of the episode we'll revisit this i guess to see if it's satisfying or not i don't think it is but i'll be curious to get your thoughts they do kind of allude to how it might have happened but i just don't know that it's strong enough to satisfy me and i'm even though the pacing stuff or not pacing even though the balance stuff and like the the sort of potential things you were talking about should bother me more this just bothered me every time i watched it
1: it like, feels like there's a – it feels like there's just a deleted scene that needed to – Yeah, sure. that, a really small cause, one, something. Because it's a big jump between Ned interviewing people to every, every reporter in New York or paparazzo in New York knowing about it.
0: I Actually, Ned would have been the perfect – not that Ned would leak it, but literally anybody overhearing Ned interviewing people would be the way that you could get this ball rolling. So, yeah, yeah it could have literally been just like – not even an additional scene, but just like an additional – interaction or um like beat within a scene that already exists
1: yeah or yeah like he's already he's interviewing norman osborne and there's someone else in the like in the office that like oh yeah Mencken overhears and then calls like the daily glow would just be like oh hey yeah i owed you a favor like here's a story i've got a story for you something like that you know it would've been really simple but yeah, it's a we- it's it's a it's a weird choice. Only cuz
0: they feel so important to this episode. <laughs> they
1: are. Yeah, no, I agree. It would be a thing that I'll be I wouldn't mind overlooking and just saying that something happened off-screen, but you're right. They're really kind of imperative to how this episode plays out, um, especially in like the final battle. So, yeah. yeah. So you know these re- these reporters that came out of nowhere are <laughs> chasing Peter and Gwen. I know there's like one line that I do like that one of the reporters says when they they manage to like escape them by hiding uh, somewhere and like the the one of the reporters is like, "Hey, hey,
0: does Spidey do invisible?" Oh man, <laughs> you know I love that because Miles will eventually yep. end up being a Spider Man who can turn invisible. <laughs> yep. yep, it's the first yet. thing I thought of. I was like, "Yes, so he gay. can," but in a different. Different universe.
1: <laughs> so good, so good. I love it. I love it. So funny. But yeah, where they did hide was like they got away by hiding inside this like heart-shaped statue, of course. Mm-hmm. And like they have this cute little moment where they're literally like inside of a heart, you know. And I'm sure that their hearts are pumping and the adrenaline is going. And they look each other in the eye because they're right next to each other. Gwen's still all giggly, and then they almost start to kiss. And then conveniently. Gwen's phone rings and stops at kiss and it's actually Harry her boyfriend Mm -hmm. asking where they are so there's still sparks there and uh Peter decides to like kind of break the plans because he's concerned over the situation which makes sense in Gwen's uh, understanding he asks Gwen to pass along to Liz that he's sorry and Gwen is like yeah me too I mean I'll tell Liz um so in case you didn't know they still like each other
0: (laughs) yeah it's it's interesting because like Peter's journey has always been this sort of confusion over what to pursue based on the stimulus he's getting, right? Gwen's journey, I feel like, has largely been, am I reading the situation correctly, and how can I act in that particular direction, and that direction being Peter? Gwen, like, we talked about the the growing directness of Gwen and, like, where mm-hmm. it is at any given point. I do think it's interesting that after she starts dating Harry and after she's had a moment of sort of, like, maybe I'm kind of over this or have decided at the very least, like, I don't want to be second and need yeah. to, like, lean into that, she sort of initiates a kiss here. Like, I know that they were they were looking at each other, but, like, she Gwen first, leans in. Right. I don't know. I just think it's interesting, like, that's kind of where this has landed her. And I'm yeah, excited to see – more of how it develops because everything feels really natural. They've done such a good job with this that I'm just like really curious as to like how they are weaving it all together, given what they've woven to this point, you know?
1: Yeah. No, I, f- I fully agree with that. Um, I like it because it's very teen drama stuff that I love because it's like, <laughs> it's just like they, they, it's like, this is like the, if they had this moment In, like, the first three or four episodes, then that would have been the moment that they got together. But it's, like, they don't, they aren't able to have this moment where they're sort of, like, on the same wavelength for the first time ever, where, like, their mutual, like, that mutual energy is, like, flowing, and they're, like, on the same level, and they're, like, kind of having, their feelings are all, like, at the top at the same time. But, of course, it doesn't happen until they both respectively have... Uh, significant others so like it's it's like the perfect tragedy and irony and yeah it makes sense like
0: it's a perfect tragedy but it does make sense like yeah harry is presumably gwen's first boyfriend and liz is presumably peter's first girlfriend right so like the more that they experience those feelings and and what to do with them the more confident they are going to be doing something with those feelings so like if they were on the same wavelength and it were ending up in this situation earlier, yeah, it could have been that they ended up getting together in that situation, but it also totally could have just been yet another awkward interaction because they had no experience doing anything with those feelings. So that's it's like true. weird to kind of imagine that their their respective relationships with other people is like preparing them more for each other, but I do think <laughs> that's that's super realistic and true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's kind of brilliant in like a really simple way. <laughs>
1: Yeah. No, that's a good, that's a good point. That's a good point. I like that. Especially, you know, the whole theme of the show is the education of Peter Parker. Yeah, One thing he's got to be educated on is how to t- treat girls and communicate with girls. So And what to do
0: with <laughs> my feelings in a genuine way, right? Like, yeah. I don't have to just, resp- I mean, in this situation, he is, you could argue, still responding to a stimulus, but like thus far, he has really just chosen what to do with the stimulus in front of him as opposed to like what do i do with my feelings you could also argue in this moment he's doing something with his own feelings and i think that's an important lesson that he is learning along the way too which we've right. talked about like he just responds to whatever shiny things in front of him
1: yeah you got it
0: hello amazing friends we just wanted to take a quick moment to shout out our spectacular and up patrons Gemma nicole katie joe greg mike flux eric and carl
1: if you would like to join our patreon we have a ton of great bonus content waiting for you we have our spider bites where we talk about pretty much whatever we want in the spider-man universe such as comics like the current miles morales series
0: and classics like craven's last hunt sometimes we do deep dives into spider-man stuff like our mini-series on the unmade spider-man movies Or we spin off into other topics, like the Blade movies, or the Firestar comics. Sometimes we'll do some bonus content just because we happen to have it, like Peaks Behind the Curtain, or how we make certain episodes.
1: And if you join us at the $5 Spectacular level, you also get access to our After Dark commentaries, where we let loose and talk about shows that aren't Spider-Man related without a filter. Shows like Gargoyles, Batman Beyond, Muppet Babies, and more
0: ultimately these are the types of things that we're gonna talk about anyway so recording it and making it available on patreon is our way of saying thank you so much for supporting this show and letting us do the types of things we really want to do whatever tier you opt into thank you so much whether you're an avid listener or just stopping by we appreciate that too from your friendly neighborhood podcasters thank you
1: well later that night eddie casually walks down the street <laughs> and this time it's nice because venom is always stalking spider-man and he's yep. like spider sense doesn't go off so i can abduct you this time P- peter just kind of like switches that around and so as eddie's just kind of casually casually walking down the street two webs grab him by the shoulders and pull him onto a nearby roof i do um, love
0: that there's like a, a, a tiny moment where you can see that eddie realizes what's going on and just rolls with it he's like oh yeah all right we're doing it <laughs>
1: It's cool that because, yeah, because he even like his, like his, his,
0: he suits up into Venom
1: like as he's being pulled onto the roof because it's just like, okay, cool. I mean, I was going to prompt this at some point anyway, but hey, if you want to do it now, works for me. (laughs) (laughs) I like this a lot too because I feel like this really explains this in this very, in very simple terms, like what Eddie's like thought processes because yeah. spider-man asks venom if he understands how many people will be hurt by venom's need to reveal spidey's identity and venom is just like oh i know exactly how many people your secrets will hurt and it's like yep. okay that's it that's how he justifies everything it's that if even a people that eddie ostensibly liked in his past life gets hurt because of it it's always going to be peter's fault and that's all that matters yep
0: yep and that's it's it <laughs> brilliant like one line yeah very smart very smart. Yeah,
1: I like it. It's
0: good. <laughs> so they end up fighting on the roof for a bit before Venom tosses and pins Spider-Man below. There are um a number of fight sequences in this, and this isn't I, I don't think this short fight is one of the very significant ones. We'll call out better ones <laughs> uh as yeah. the episode goes on. So we're just gonna end with him pinning Spider-Man below, because what happens next is more significant than any of the fight. So where he pins him is right in front of that group of reporters who are still all hanging around together, <laughs> I guess.
1: Weird, but okay. <laughs> yeah.
0: that's. But that's exactly what makes this such a, like, basic stereotype of, like, the reporter mob. Like, they're always yeah. together, and they're always crowding around somebody. But whatever. Yep. So – He pins him down in front of these reporters, and he declares, all we want is to take off Spider-Man's mask. Because I think one of the reporters even says, like, what are you doing to him? And that's his response. All I want to do is Mm -hmm. take off, or all we want to do is take off Spider-Man's mask, which sort of establishes to the reporters, like, oh, okay, like, this is worth paying attention to. I think initially they're kind of horrified by Venom, then realize, like, maybe Venom is sort of doing the thing we want so maybe he's not bad even though he's scary (laughs) (laughs) yep it's a little weird but you know all makes sense lines up sure so after this we get an interview that actually just sort of like interjects in into the scene but it's with aunt may and this is like you said the one one sort of instance of her being in this episode oddly enough and Ned asks her if she believes that her nephew could be Spider-Man. And she like looks around the room and like looks under a pillow and by, behind the couch and just says, am I being punked? Which is the second <laughs> punked reference we've gotten this season. Yep. <laughs> it's so funny. By somebody in the show who almost certainly would be much older than punk's target demographic.
1: <laughs> that's a good point. That's, that's hilarious. <laughs> Uh, Which I kind of like that that's the running gag that it's like – that's like their one like very explicit contemporary pop culture reference (laughs) and it's not delivered by the teenagers. No.
0: (laughs) Not at all. (laughs) It's great. Yeah. So we do cut back to those reporters. Like I said, that interview really just like interrupted this scene I guess. But uh in front of those reporters Venom nearly manages to grab Spidey's mask, but Spidey webs a nearby camera and hits Venom in the face, which allows him a moment to escape Venom's grasp. Venom uses the fact that Spider-Man is running and like trying to avoid being unmasked as an argument against Spider-Man claiming like he's obviously Peter cuz he doesn't want you to see his face, which doesn't make sense but makes enough sense for the situation and living in 2020 feels totally normal. (laughs) Yay. Like that argument makes no sense, but it's compelling. (laughs) People will eat it up. Uh Uh-huh. So Spider-Man recognizes this and is like, that doesn't even make sense. Me not be, and I love the way he says this very specifically. Me not being Peter Parker does not mean I'm just going to reveal my identity, which serves two purposes to very casually reinforce I'm not Peter Parker, and also I'm still not going to show you who I am. That argument makes no sense. <laughs> yep. And I think he sort of like punctuates that with, "It's called a secret identity for a reason."
1: Uh huh. Uh huh. It's around this time too that we get our we get another fun little uh, quick Shakespeare throwaway. Oh reference. yeah. Because <laughs> Venom says the spider doth protest too much. We thinks, yes. which I like that they. <laughs> they make that little change cute (laughs) yeah
0: i like that too i like that too i think he says it right before or just after this moment where he punches spider-man so hard that spider-man lands back on the roof that they (laughs) fell off of and venom is even like whoops that was too much (laughs) (laughs) which i love oopsies hit him too hard (laughs) love that love that but before he like goes up there to actually pursue the fight further, unmask Spider-Man as he wants, he actually announces to one of the nearby cameras that he'll be right back for the unmasking. In this sort of like, I think it's a cool shot just because it's different, but it's like through the camera lens and he like approaches the camera lens and says that. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately for him, spider is already gone because he took that time to talk to a camera.
1: Do you think that Venom, like after seeing that Spider-Man was gone, went back to the camera people to like politely let them know that like actually... This isn't going to happen right now. We'll we'll be back later.
0: You know, it's funny. I actually wondered that. Like, not that specifically, but I was like, <laughs> does he go back? Like, are they're they're probably just waiting for him to come back. Like, yeah, they're just they're just sitting there. Like, now's our chance, guys. He's gonna he's gonna come back. <laughs>
1: Especially because, like, he's got their attention. He can come back and just, like, say all kinds of shit about yeah. everything that he – if he wants to, he could just say on camera everything that he knows from Peter's memories about being Spider-Man, yeah. which would only make it harder. Well, that's but.
0: that's one thing that makes this Venom very interesting to me is that he's so singularly focused on the way he wants to reveal Peter Parker and the way he wants to destroy Peter Parker that he's avoiding other – sort of like bits and pieces of evidence because it's not full on. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. he knows that like in one fell swoop, he can reveal Peter Parker to the world and that's what he's fixated on. He has, like you said, all the information he needs. Every private piece of information Peter Parker has, he knows, and that's enough. It's just not good yeah. enough for him.
1: He wants it to be like a moment. Yes, like,
0: he's a showboat.
1: Yeah, he wants the, that moment that's at the end of, Spoiler <laughs> that yeah. we were talking about earlier, <laughs> like he wants that thing like to happen that everyone sees at the same time. So, like, uh, yeah, it, it 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 makes sense though because he is just like he's a drama queen. Like, it make I get, get it. He's yeah. that up his own ass about this. Like, mm-hmm. that's been very heavily established.
0: Yep. Yep.
1: so the next day peter is like going to school but he has to be escorted by principal davis through the very curious crowd that's like full of people asking him if he's spider-man full of all the same news media and paparazzi and everything a student in the group asks if they think peter could really be spider-man and sally of course shrieks no i do not
0: (laughs) she's so extra (laughs) <laughs> yeah i'm like appreciating it though maybe because it's not as prevalent this season as it it's felt in small last doses season.
1: small doses go a long way yeah. with her yeah i can
0: appreciate it more she's used much more for comic relief this season than like actually being a part of things mm-hmm. uh, which i can appreciate also i don't think we've talked about principal davis that's kevin michael richardson right i think it oh, is i think it is i'm pretty yeah. sure it is which is worth mentioning because kevin michael richardson
1: yeah, it's it's funny. I feel like the show does do a pretty decent job of always like if they have their kind of regular rotation of cast members, if their character is written out in some way or isn't appearing for a while, they're like going to give him another role. Like Tombstone isn't appearing very much, mm-hmm. so he has he at least has the president and the president has our uh, president. Oh my god.
0: Dude, um, I would be all for Kevin Michael Richardson playing me the president. Too. <laughs> me too. Me too.
1: <laughs> uh, uh, principal he so they at least so the principal has a bigger presence th- so far this season at least in minor ways so like he's yeah. got that they the same with like i mean harry is back now but like they gave. but i know that um frederick he's, like his voice actor voices yeah. frederick foswell and he had like more of a presence while harry's been like kind of in and out and they've done it with other with other actors too so yeah. it's cool i like i like that idea that they can kind of still keep giving them these roles totally
0: so we cut back to the Connors lab, and this is a very brief scene, but it's an important scene. Martha is praising Eddie for getting right back to work, and she says, it's as if you've never left, and then goes off to do what she's doing. And when she turns around, you see that Eddie steals with his Symbiote t-shirt, Tendril, one of the vials that he's working with, whatever it might be. <laughs>
1: hmm he could have just also grabbed it with his hands. Nobody was looking. But. Yeah,
0: totally unnecessary. <laughs>
1: <laughs> extra Extra Eddie.
0: Just sort of setting up the cool stuff they do with his tendrils later, I suppose. Dude. Uh-huh. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But before that, we cut to another interview where Ned is interviewing Flash. And he points out to Flash that Peter was seen in a Spider-Man costume, which Flash like quickly shuts down to be like at a Halloween party. Like that's stupid. <laughs> Why, what? <laughs> yeah. What are
0: you talking about?
1: <laughs> yeah. Um. And he is like, anybody could like suit up and pretend to be Spider-Man. Like you can't see their face. Like literally, anybody could do that. And then he's like, but that gives me an idea. <laughs> and then at his locker, we cut to Flash as has often been seen in the comics and other, in other media dresses up as Spider-Man himself,
0: which means he always, always has a Spider-Man costume in his locker (laughs) locker. because this was not an idea he had prior to the interview. He had just now with Ned.
1: At the ready, which is funny, as I think way back at the beginning of our podcast when we were doing the first season of the 90s show, it's like the second episode, I think, that their version of Flash Thompson Mm -hmm. just is like, I've got a prank. I'm going to dress up as Spider-Man, and it implies that he just, like, carries around a Spider-Man costume in the trunk of his car all the time. Yep.
0: (laughs) But you know what's so great is, like, any other character, you'd be like, what the fuck? But with Flash, they do such a good job establishing, and he has such a big reputation of being – such a huge Spidey fan that you don't even think about it in a questioning way. You're just like, of course he does. Frickin' dork. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. Hey, he looks good in a Spidey costume, so why not? he
1: does. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, man. He fills it out really well. Yeah, he's like an in-between of the actual Spidey in this show's body type and the the sort of like Spidey disguise that Venom puts on, it's like a yeah. middle ground. And it actually like is a pretty cool shape for Spider-Man.
1: Yeah, it's good. It's good. I mean, I've definitely, the more, it, it makes sense if this show were trying to do a more adult muscular version of Spider-Man, like other yeah. shows have done, it would kind of look like this in this mm-hmm. uh, in the style. I like it. I dig it. And, you know, I like throughout all of this with Flash, like how this goes. It's so funny because it's sort of like, he's like, both wrong and right at the same time with everything that he's yeah. doing. Like it's this really great contradiction where it's like he's helping Peter, but he's also like his instincts are actually very like realistic and right, but they're also wrong because Peter's yeah. like an idiot about a secret identity. But it also helps Peter in the end, so it's like great. That's it's the so best funny. thing
0: about Flash, Spider-Man Superfan. Like, that's the best thing about it, is like he's inadvertently helping Peter keep his disguise. While being like enraged at the fact that anybody would suggest yeah. <laughs> somebody as losery as Peter could be Spider Man, like it's perfect it's genius. It's, it's like perfect. my favorite.
1: It's like my favorite part of this episode, honestly, because it's like the most like it's such an it's such like a fun like complicated nuanced mm-hmm. thing that they do that is also presented like just so simply and on, on very like kind of comical terms. Like it's great.
0: It's sort of like a manifestation in a character. The idea of Clark Kent couldn't be Superman because he's too much of a dork. You know what I mean? It's like an actual character on screen asserting that principle. It's kind of (laughs) cool.
1: Yeah. I really – it's so funny because Flash hasn't done a lot of heroic stuff in the show, but I really like him. He's such a fun character. He
0: is. I hate how much I like him, but that always ends up being the case. Like in the amazing movies, I also was like, ah, he's really sweet and I hate him.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right. But he's just – he has so many – So many depths, so many hidden depths, and sometimes not so hidden depths, but they're there. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But basically like he's not just, he's not just cosplaying as Spidey for fun. He is, he does have a purpose here kind of. Oh my Um, God.
0: He would though. Flash would would. go to a convention, maybe not in 2009, but in 2020 Flash Thompson would absolutely go to a convention dressed as Spider-Man.
1: Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And be, like, super pumped about it in, like, an adorable way that his friends would probably still make fun of him for, but he would, like, be proud of it instead of being, like, ashamed of it. Right. Because, like, nerd shit's cool now.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Yep. 100%. But, yeah, in this case, he does have a a purpose. He goes outside of the school dressed as Spider-Man. But you know he's still on crutches, um, so he, it should be obvious. But reporters are dumb, so like they're they're like, "Whoa, what? Is is it Spider-Man? This is what? <laughs> What's going on?" And Flash is it's so funny because he's like, "I'm ready to reveal my identity as not Parker."
0: <laughs> so he's such a brickhead. I love it.
1: It's great. It's great. But he's got like good intentions. He's trying yeah. to protect his hero. like but he's a lovable sense. idiot,
0: which is like yeah. a, a character that's like. Easy to be frustrated by, but really hard to hate.
1: Yeah, yeah. But uh, unfortunately, two guys nearby, like, notice that Spider-Man is on crutches. And instead of being like, that's not Spider-Man, they're like, ooh, Spider-Man's on crutches. Somebody, like, messed him up. So now's the perfect time to take him down. Um, so they're, like, literally going to, like, beat Who up the person. Who are these guys? What, is, what no are they idea. trying to do? <laughs> Absolute <laughs> sociopaths, apparently. Uh-huh.
0: Like, their entire goal is to just beat up Spider-Man because he has a broken leg.
1: Right. And it's like, what's going to happen? I mean, I have to imagine that they're crooks that Spider-Man has, like, totally like got locked up before. Like, that's the only way it makes sense. Otherwise, they are just sociopaths. Like, yeah. let's beat him up. Okay, we're done. Want to go out for coffee? Like, what? Yeah.
0: <laughs> All they needed was one line of them saying, we'll be famous. And, like, that, that would have explained their entire intentions. But, oh, like, yeah. nothing explains why these two guys aside from we can is like are like let's beat up spider-man like it's so it's so weird but it like fits the scene because like everyone in this scene is being so stupid like the reporters are being stupid flash is being stupid these guys are like everyone's being so dumb
1: this episode has like such a nihilistic view
0: (laughs) on humanity really kind of does doesn't it like
1: it's like everybody's stupid everyone's out for themselves everyone (laughs) will sell out whoever they can to get what they want and everyone sucks that's it that's that's the point
0: but it (laughs) somehow fits everything that's going on (laughs) it does it does Uh, it it creates the perfect environment for spider-man to need to like watch his back for reasons that he shouldn't have to worry about which fits with venom just like aggressively pursuing him for the sole purpose of fucking his shit up. You know what I mean? Like it really is sort of like a, a cruel world type episode. It really is. Not an accident. I don't think like everything (laughs) sort of like fits together in like a really bizarre way.
1: It's so, it's so weird. Maybe the reporters
0: needed to make no sense. I still don't think I like it, but maybe they needed to make no sense.
1: (laughs) Maybe. I mean, it's like, I I
0: don't know. I was going to say, nothing matters and everything's awful.
1: (laughs) right like that's like the point of this episode ultimately it's so it's because even the way that that we'll we'll get to it it's just like everything yeah it's such a weird episode it's weird i wouldn't like i wouldn't call it my least favorite or anything it's just like definitely the weirdest episode in like really bizarre ways it's it's, just at the
0: very least it's by far the most uncharacteristic episode of the show i think I
1: think so. It's like weird. It's like written weirdly in a way that, like, the the attention to detail is just like different. Like, it's interested in very different things than this show is normally interested in. That's such
0: a good way to put it. I think that's a great way to put it. Because it's not nonsensical. And I do think the pieces that are uncharacteristic still fit together in a way that ultimately makes sense. It's just in context is very strange and you wouldn't expect it.
1: Yeah, I fully agree with that. It's, uh, yeah. It's weird, man. It's weird. I really wonder where this came from. It is a. It is like the most kind of high concept episode of the show in a way. Like every other episode is just like about like a villain, you know. And this one is the, the fact that the idea behind it is what if Peter's identity was kind of revealed? Like not fully, yeah. but kind of revealed and everyone suspected him of Spider-Man. That's like the most high concept that the yeah. show has ever gotten. And I think that you see it
0: here. Well, Venom brings that out in these creators clearly i mean like aside from the the fight inside the mind stuff like i think absolutely but even then that's still venom stuff like venom just brings that out i guess (laughs) yeah that's true (laughs) for some reason venom is their muse perhaps
1: I guess so. I guess so. I like the Inside the Mind stuff better than I like this, I think.
0: But. Oh, I do. <laughs> I do too. I do too. I only bring that up to say like I think that's like kind of high concept.
1: You no, know, I think that, that no that's the other. I I didn't but think it's like, that that's probably the that's that but that is definitely I would consider that a high concept episode though. That's more that is more high concept than this, but that one is so deeply tied into like the finale and the ongoing story arc and everything right. and the whole season. That's why I feel this different. one is like independently high concept. Yeah. Like you could pluck this out of, of what's been going on and it's like, it would obviously affect things, but like, it's not that it's not so deeply ingrained in everything. Yeah, so, You could
0: easily plant this somewhere else in the series. And I think still make it make sense in its right. concept.
1: Right. Weird episode. I think we've established that. So, <laughs> so this ridiculousness is happening with the guys that want to beat up Flash dresses Spider-Man now. Elsewhere, Spidey is sitting on top of a skyscraper. And I do like this little moment because all of this is prompting Peter to wonder if like revealing his identity would be good because he does always lie to everyone he cares about. Mm-hmm. So it's an interesting thought process that he goes under, but he doesn't really get a chance to think through it because this is, this is about the only bit that we get of it. But I like that it's here and I think that it's important that it's here.
0: Yeah, I think so too. I think this, this type of thing should cause doubt and, and reflection in Spider-Man. So we get another interview, and I think this is the only one we get that isn't a Peter-centric one, like yeah. a, or like Peter Circle-centric one, that side of his identity, because this one is actually at the prison where Ned is asking Quentin Beck if he has any ideas on who Spider-Man might be. And Beck replies that if it is Peter Parker, I'd be happy about that. I'm not really sure, but it'd be good because every guy – he says – Every guy in the joint would know what to do with that information, and it like <laughs> zooms out, and there's like twelve like you know criminals like scowling behind him, like waiting for information. Right? Oh, so, yeah, it's good. Who is that guy directly behind him with uh-huh. the like cool Chester Allen Arthur facial hair?
1: Yeah, it's cute little Who is glasses. Who's that guy? <laughs> I know, because I, it's sort of like he's really reminiscent of
0: Ox, but right. obviously like yeah, but he's not like Ox. a different yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I lucked him. I'm into him, whoever it is. I want him to to fight Spidey one day. Yeah, you
0: can't just throw a tank on our screen like that and not give us more info. What the hell? Uh Rude. Fully agree.
1: (laughs) I'm glad glad you also noticed him.
0: How could you not? Takes up Uh a third of the screen.
1: Uh (laughs) So back in front of Midtown, these two sociopaths who are watching Flash, they finally confront him to attack him. But before they can, the real Spider-Man intervenes and does this funny little thing where he sticks them together with Flash's crutches and makes them look like total doofuses as they should because what the fuck you guys, you fucking weirdos! <laughs> Funnier
0: um, in 2009, I would argue. <laughs> yeah, Spider-Man like whips them together well, so they're like real close and like they're like, Ugh, "Oh no." Like we're, oh, yeah. we're almost kissing. <laughs>
1: I wasn't thinking that. I think it was, I I I know you're right. I I, I, I think even, it's a
0: hundred percent what that was.
1: <laughs> that's yeah, that's what it was. I I just like that. It's like the way that they just quickly are just stuck to like crutches, and then Spidey just casually just like kicks them over in front of a bunch. of I reporters. do like all that.
0: Everything leading up to that moment is I think really really funny in that it's so simple. Like yeah. when Spider-Man webs the crutch and there's like, "Hey, can you hold on to this?" and the guy's just like, "Yo, yeah, okay," and then realizes yeah. like, "Shit."
1: <laughs> yeah. That's but yeah. No, fun. you're right. You're right. The gay panic stuff isn't great.
0: <laughs> Get over it, dudes.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> but that said, Flash takes off his mask at this and gloats to the reporters. See, anyone could pretend to be Spider-Man, which is, I love, I love. This is like not the first time it comes up, but then they're like, uh, like, oh, you mean like Peter Parker? And he's like, yeah, I mean, no.
0: <laughs> yeah, I. It's ugh, Flash. Oh my gosh, Flash. Flash's argument to defend Spider-Man is like almost, if not as bad, as Venom's argument to besmirch Peter without actually unmasking him. Like, both of them are so, like, bizarre and flawed. Neither one is full. Like, neither one is fully formed. See, anybody could be Spider-Man, so it couldn't be Peter. Also, he's not showing us who he is, so he must be Peter. Like, what? What?
1: <laughs> Yeah, it's really, it's, it's really silly. I think, yeah, yeah. and I like, I misspoke earlier because they, he didn't do the yeah, no thing to anyone can pretend. It was like when he's like, anyone can pretend, but this is the real deal. And that's where like, oh, you mean Parker, right? Which is, it's, yeah. And, (laughs) and it's like, everyone's dumb. Everyone's just dumb and bad in this episode. Everyone's very dumb. So dumb.
0: (laughs) 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 Like, and it's true. They, they like cut out all, not cut out, but they don't feature like any of the consistently intelligent characters in this show. Gwen doesn't have a whole lot of, like, critical thinking moments in this. Mary Jane's all but not present. The doctors, Connors are relegated to, like, just that one interview. And basically, like, anybody with critical thinking is, like, relegated to an interview. They feature, like, all of the dumbest characters. It's great. Yeah, it's so good.
1: Yeah, which I think, yeah, and it's definitely More singularly
0: focused. I wouldn't call Venom dumb.
1: Yeah, more singularly focused. And it's very intentional because it makes it all just more frustrating because it's, like, yeah. Everyone, just stop and go away, please. Stop, stop. It's great. Go home. Great.
0: <laughs> so as Spidey responds to Flash, uh, Venom attacks him right in front of the reporters. Just like I think, I think, uh, I think Spider Man's like, "Oh, yeah, this is my biggest fan," and uh, Venom like responds to that, and then like really quickly like tackles him from from the the left side of the screen or whatever. But this time, when he sort of like pins him, he shows off. Through that cool, like, stomach mouth thing he does. Mm -hmm. Or at least I think it's cool. (laughs) Oh, yeah,
1: it is. It's very cool. Yeah,
0: he, like, shows off that he now has this vial that we saw Eddie take from the lab and even calls it the gene cleanser, I believe, right? Doesn't he say that's what it is?
1: It is definitely the gene cleanser, which they did mention last week as being a thing that they couldn't use on Captain Jupiter. So, like, they've made sure that that. Thing is fresh in our minds
0: yeah i think he even says it to spider-man though because he mm-hmm. shares like his whole plan he says like yeah. not only am i gonna unmask you i'm gonna use this shit to strip you of your powers so when everybody knows who you are and who they can attack you can't do anything about it you won't be able to protect anyone God damn, venom it's a great plan it's so sadistic it's really good It sort of, like, ties things together a little bit more than just, like, I want to humiliate and wreck you. Like, it sort of fleshes out things in a way that makes the process a bit more autonomous once he kicks it off. Because if he just killed (laughs) Spider-Man, right, or, like, just revealed who Spider-Man was, he'd still have to do work, I think, because Spider-Man would still have powers or he would have to be the one pursuing uh, his loved ones or whatever. But this, like, honestly is almost a perfect plan if, if it goes the way he wants because he mm-hmm. just hits the first domino and then everything else falls into place.
1: Yeah, really the only the only thing that I think he made, the only mistake that he makes really is just the gloating about it and not giving him the gene cleanser So sooner.
0: much gloating. Yeah. Uh, but it makes sense. Venom is like a way too chatty guy for his own good mm-hmm. sometimes. So it's not uncharacteristic, but it's like, dude, you could have succeeded like right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a good plan. Yep.
1: We cut from that to another interview where Eddie is telling Ned that he and Peter were like brothers. So he should have seen it sooner that Peter Parker is Spider-Man and has a very creepy little smile at the end of that interview.
0: They linger on his face.
1: Uh (laughs) They really do. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I like that that's included, though, because it's
1: just like, yeah. of course, Eddie's going to make sure that he gets in on this to be like, no, mm-mm. no, I'm, I am reinforcing this shit as best I can.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He's like I said, he's not dumb. He's just very singularly focused. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we
1: cut right from that back to uh, outside Midtown again in the middle of this sort of battle. Venom manages to web Spidey to a car and remove his mask. But like in the process of doing so, like it kind of flips the car over. So like even though the mask is off, Peter's face is luckily hid from the, the cameras that are on the other side. It's great. It's a great little sequence. Like I love how all this is animated and like choreographed.
0: This is where the animation kicks up so hard, dude. It really does. Oh. Yeah. Like, and you know what I
1: what oh. I also really like about this episode too. Venom's facial expressions are so good in this. Mm-hmm. And, I think, and I think it's kicked up, especially because they have more to do with him because they, so, so much of the time, he's just like angry and full of rage. And this time, like, it's sort of like he's a lot more surprised and challenged. Yeah. And like, there's a lot of like cute little surprise faces. There's just like a lot more that he has to do because he's like actually working harder yeah. rather than just trying to be menacing. And I think they really, because like it's a simple design for his head, but they show off like how flexible it can be. And it looks yeah. great.
0: Yeah, this is uh, it's that this is really where the like visual feast kicks off. Oh god, it's so good. I'm just like thinking of things and we'll get to all of them, but they're just so so good. I do think like occasionally it comes at the expense of the backgrounds, but like who the fuck cares about the backgrounds? Everything oh, in the yeah, foreground is so goddamn good. Oh, okay. Sorry.
1: Yeah, so Venom is, like, frustrated about, about this, like, oh my god, I just unmasked him. Can I please, for the love of god, just show Spider-Man's, Peter's face to the cameras? So, he tries to grab and show Spider-Man's face, but, like, by kind of trying to get over there, the extra time allows Spidey to uh, detach himself, hide from Venom, and even use his positioning to take his mask back, which why was Venom holding it? Why didn't he just like put it in his little like mouth hole or something like that? (laughs) Uh, That's another, another, another major mistake in his plan. Because he's
0: showing it off. Like that's That's exactly what it is. And that's, uh, that's, I mean, that is his fatal flaw in this episode is that he just gloats too much and talks too much. Yeah. But he's such a certified badass in this episode too. This, I think honestly, this next moment, I think is my favorite animation sequence. This show's ever done. Like, that I've seen at least. I am obsessed with this moment. I watched it, like, a dozen times. Because what (laughs) happens is Spider-Man grabs Venom with a web strand, and he just flings him. And, like, it seems so simple, but the way that they animate Venom, like, flying through the air and catching himself is so unnecessarily cool, but done so well. And it's not the most complicated thing they've done, but it's so smooth, and it's so, like... Oh, it's so cool. Basically what happens is, like, Venom, like, somersaults through the air. And as he's somersaulting, the symbiote starts to sort of, like, what appears to be, like, fling off of him. But it sort of reveals itself to not be just, like, flinging from momentum, but, like, preparing tendrils, which then, like, shoot out towards the ground and begin to brace him. And then he lands and, like, basically breaks himself along the asphalt to like slow himself down and be positioned to like attack back. It's so cool. Yeah. I really lost is. it when, when I saw that I was like, that shit is so cool. And it just sets you up for like everything that's about to happen. It's, yeah. Oh, I love it so much. I could watch yeah. just that little, like one second of animation over and over and over. And I did. <laughs>
1: I will have to go back and, and watch Ugh. it again because I don't think I appreciated it as much as you did. I, I love it. that I will if I pay more attention to that Ugh. scene.
0: And I wasn't prepared for it because literally all he does is throw venom. Like it's not – like there's no setup mm-hmm. for it.
1: Well, and it's like – it's it's one of those things where it's sort of like – that's the kind of thing that the show really flourishes with where like it's just like the details are so unnecessary, you know, objectively. Mm-hmm. But like once they're added, they st- add so much. Yep. Like they, they make everything feel so real. You know, and they make these simple designs just feel like yeah. just so fluid and full and, and it's – yeah, it's and great, like
0: And I disparaged the backgrounds for some of these scenes and, and said they weren't that important. But they they handle the background for this particular tiny sequence really well because while he's flying through the air, the background is moving by super fast. But when mm-hmm. he starts to break himself, it like slows appropriately. It's just – oh, it's so good. <laughs>
1: Yeah, (laughs) it's it's very artfully done for sure. Love it. Fully agree. (laughs) Fully agree. It's great. And really, we've spent a long time talking about this episode so far, but like, even that, I think it's just because that it warrants a lot of discussion. This fight between him and, ba- and oh Venom at the God. end here is, like, basically half the episode.
0: Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> much the rest of the episode. <laughs>
1: this is only, like, I think, like, the 13-minute mark out of 22, maybe so- sooner than that.
0: Uh, um, this show is getting kind of comfortable with that, I think. Not in a bad way, necessarily. I think it doesn't serve this episode great, like you said. But I mm-hmm. do think, while I know, because, <laughs> we, again, we watched these in pairs— that this episode is definitely not afraid to just do, like, a long action sequence. We saw it with Sinister Six, but kind of expected it. Mm-hmm. And then we're seeing it here. And, like, spoiler alert, we're going to see, like, an absolutely chaotic action sequence next week. I'm excited to talk about <laughs> next week's episode, man.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's true, but but you know, it's 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 comfortable doing it, but it doesn't pull that out for all of them, right? Because like you know, because the the last salmon episode we got was very much not that mm-hmm. balanced very differently. So yeah, I'm not, and I think that like as as much as I sort of disparage this episode for not really committing enough time to the per- Peter's personal life, I do think it makes sense for such a to have such a long action sequence with Venom in particular, because this whole point is to be like the most like physically formidable opponent that Spider Man has ever faced, if not psychologically too, but especially physically. So it would be unsatisfying if they just had like a normal fight. Yeah. Like I think it, it needs to be a big fight. And it feels like a huge, hard knockdown, drag out fight by the end of this episode.
0: And it has development. It's not just a long fight for the sake of showing a lot of action. And it's distinctly different than what we're going to talk about next week, which also has a long fight. This one, like, very specifically builds in a few stages that I think is kind of a story in itself, which is really cool. Yeah. So it's not just like, let's have a long fight because it's Venom and it's cool. It's like, like you said, it's like it, it's a knockout fight where there's like actual obstacles to overcome within the fight itself. And I think that's really, really cool.
1: It is. It is, and we end up getting into the
0: school. Remember when I said I hope somebody will attack him at the school? <laughs> this isn't exactly that, but I'm I'm still really excited that they're fighting at the school.
1: <laughs> and this is the uh, this is what I was saying where it's like it feels so reminiscent to the the fight with Peter or, or Spider Man and the Lizard in oh. the Amazing Spider Man movie where they're fighting in the school, bursting through walls and in lockers yes. and stuff. Yes.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, so it's good. good. It's good. So, yeah, so, I mean, they're, this is all happening right outside of Midtown High. So, as there is changing blows, before they can get right into the school, there is, like, Venom is, is beating the shit out of Spidey, basically, as expected. They end up on top of a helicopter. Venom attempts to, like, crush Spidey with the helicopter. <laughs> but, you know, throughout all of this, the thing that I think we like a lot is that they end up crashing right through the roof of Midtown High and literally land in a science lab. There's also a bit like during their fight sequence where like Spidey's using his impact web and it does literally nothing, and I then love Venom this. like exchanges blows by like being like, "Um, oh, this is the right idea, but like wrong." I, I don't know what he said. Wrong, I, I like, it was great. Like
0: he he like Spider-Man shoots his little like web ball things, his impact webs, and Venom's like, "What is that supposed to do?" And Spider-Man's like, "I don't know, hurt." And then that's where Venom's like, mm, "Right idea, wrong caliber," and then shoots like that's right. little cannonballs at him. <laughs>
1: Yeah, great. yeah, it's like literally like, <laughs> yeah, very heavy can like almost like bullets. But yeah, so their fight's great. Um it continues to be great once they are in the science lab. They continue to exchange a couple of blows but then realize that they're not alone. Gwen, Shashan, and Mr. Warren are are actually there. Gwen shouts no. Which, uh, you know, makes Venom recognize that he's got another potential victim there. Mm-hmm. Spidey recognizes that, considering what last happened when Gwen and Venom were in the same vicinity. <laughs> so he immediately webs over Venom's eyes to temporarily d- disable them and shouts for the three of them to leave. Nice little moment is that, like, as War- Warren and um and Shashaun are, like, running out, like, Gwen does stay for a second. And it's not really clear... If it's, like, a traumatic thing because Venom put her through, like, one of the worst traumatic experiences. Or if she's just, like, heroic like that and doesn't want to leave Spider-Man in danger. Could be one or the other. Both of them, I think, are valid. So, could be a combination of both. Sure. I do, not to throw out another issue, like, in the midst of, like, all this good stuff. But this isn't really about the fight, which is very good. It does feel like a little weird to me again. And and I think we've already kind of like parsed why this is because this episode is really singularly focused on one very particular aspect of the world. It is a kind of disappointing to me. I think that such a big deal at the end of first, the first season with Venom's appearance was giving Peter, like knowing who Peter cares about the most. And then it's like, when is the person you care about the most? Oh no. Whoa. Big plot twist thing. And then we're at a point in the season where Peter and Gwen have this sort of like, Weird relationship that's been bubbling under the surface while Peter has a girlfriend. And I feel like it's kind of a missed opportunity. As cheesy as it would have been, it would have been really interesting if both Liz and Gwen were in the same room here in this moment. And there's the whole like, who do you choose type of thing. Like it would have been cheesy, but it would have made a lot of sense with Venom considering who he is and how he likes to be extra.
0: I think there are ways to do that without it feeling necessarily cheesy, even if it is tropey. So I I still would have liked to see it in some way.
1: I just am really bothered by the fact that Liz is not in this episode at all. And it would throw so much into question if Venom is like, okay, she's your girlfriend, but Gwen is still the one that's more important here. We both know that, right?
0: What if you sort of, turned the you-must-choose thing on its head and had both Liz and Gwen there. But instead of Spider-Man having to choose one of them, they kind of do the exact same thing they did. And Gwen, in a sense, chooses Peter by choosing to linger, sort of maybe heroically when Liz doesn't. Mm -hmm. And so you get this moment of, like, not Peter choosing Gwen or Liz, but getting a moment of realization that, like, Gwen is the one. Gwen is sticking around. Gwen is part of this side of me, even though she doesn't know it yet. Yeah. Even if it's – I don't know if maybe that's, like, too symbolic or metaphorical, but, like, if Liz just ran – I I don't think so, right? So, like, if Liz ran when Spider-Man was in danger and Gwen stuck around, I think there's significance to that. And it sort of takes a little bit of a you-must-choose thing – but reverses it in a way that that's unexpected and subverts the tropiness of it.
1: Yeah, just just so weird to me that Liz isn't in this episode. It which is does bizarre. does not make any sense to me. Yeah. Oh well, that's neither here nor there ultimately because what the, what we do get is still a cool fight sequence and it's great. <laughs> so the 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 potential victims are out of the way for the moment. Venom, Venom removes the web with his tongue and eats it. Mmm,
0: tasty. <laughs> Which, you know, <laughs> metaphors.
1: Yep. <laughs> yep. Venom eats Spidey's webbing. Yes, he does. Spidey, And he likes it. That Spidey's shot on his face. Mm-hmm. Um, Before slamming Spider-Man onto a table containing a number of vials that break open and spill on Venom, briefly burning the symbiote suit, but it very quickly reforms after
0: that. Yes. This moment where he sort of like burned the symbiote suit give Spider-Man an opportunity because the suit is like healing itself to create a chemical explosion that again, temporarily disables venom because it hurts the symbiote. This is the first time in this episode that we see it sort of respond in the way we expect. Cause he creates an explosion with fire. Like he has a little Bunsen burner and it sort of like blows the, the symbiote suit off in that sort of like elasticy way. And this allows him to gain a better footing in their clash overall. So this is sort of like the first evening out of the fight. This kind of happens in three stages where like Venom beats the shit out of Spider-Man. They then sort of even things out a little bit. I love that that evening out happens in a science lab. I think that is the perfect setting for Peter to like gain footing. It's sort of in his element. And then we'll see that it sort of like shifts a little bit where Peter kind of like has an advantage, and I love that that's how this develops. But this is where yeah. it like shifts gears, and I, I I really like that.
1: I want to look this up. What do you think they use to create the symbiote screaming sound effect? Because it's oh. not like that's. I feel like that same sound might also be in Spider Man Three, if not in other Spider Man iterations with the symbiote. Like it's not like that's an uncommon sound necessarily, I guess, at least for symbiote stuff. But like, it is also something that I don't think like exists in real life. Like, I think it's something that they created. Oh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I wonder, because I feel like those things are usually like really bizarre. Like, oh, you like scraped a fork against like a a hubcap and then up the pitch. Like, it's probably something weird like that. And I really want to know what it is.
0: I don't know. It could be something like that. But honestly, like some of those sounds that, that feel like really unique in context end up being stuff you'd never expect like elephant horns. You know what I mean? Oh, that's or like true. Or like uh, like an eagle screech or things like that where you're like, that's really what that was? And then once you listen back to it, you're like, oh, my God, there is an elephant in there, you know? Yeah, or that is true. like a lion roar. And I never would have like caught on to that necessarily. Um, yeah, so I'm, that's yeah, true. Yeah, I'm curious too. Like it could, it could be anything.
1: <laughs> Put a pin in that. I'm going to look that up later and find out. Cool. I want to (laughs) know.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to see what you find, especially if it ends up being sort of consistent across depictions. Uh, That would be like a fun, really fun fact.
1: If I don't find it, I will remember that to ask someone (laughs) in the future that might know.
0: (laughs) So after after Peter sort of gains this better footing, they exchange more blows, but a bit more evenly. He's actually landing stuff and seemingly hurting Venom, or at least like knocking him down. He's not really hurting him until they end up in one of the hallways. I love this. Spider-Man ends up taking a bat from one of the students who's like evacuating the building. And Venom's like, you think you can hurt me with that? And Spider-Man's like, I do. And then he hits the lockers, the metal lockers, which creates a massive sound, which then hurts the symbiote suit again. And so he hits the lockers a few times, causing that sort of like sonic pain now, as opposed to the fire pain, and Venom, I think, even responds saying, like, that was really unpleasant. Mm-hmm. And, like, takes the bat and, like, breaks it in half. <laughs> yep. So after, after he's now sort of damaged him with fire, he's damaged him with sound, or at the very least, thrown Venom off. Because it's hard to determine just how damaged he is. Um, but at least thrown <laughs> oh, him damaged. off. He's damaged. He's very oh, damaged. Well, yes. We, we know exactly how damaged <laughs> But not injured. We have no idea. Um, They continue fighting until they end up in a gymnasium where bleachers are thrown. Spider Man's used like a basketball. Lots of tossing and throwing. It's brutal.
1: This is, but this, this is where when Venom is chasing him, he's chasing him with, like, his back strands, like, walking oh, with his that's back strands right. attached that's where this to happens. the walls and ceiling. It's almost oh. like, as, it's like uh, the way that, like, Doc Ock, like, yes. walks on his tentacles. Like, Venom is
0: doing that with his own
1: strands shooting out of all parts of his body.
0: So cool. Because it ends up being, like, like you said, Doc Ock, where his body isn't really moving. It's just the tendrils sort of, like, crawling him around kind of it's oh it's so cool it's so cool Mm -hmm. well they end up in a locker room and it turns out flash is there too and he's like at his locker room locker as opposed to his like school locker and he's like fixing his hair because we know he was just in the spider-man costume and he's grumbling over the fact that the reporters are so fixated on peter being spider-man like he doesn't get it because to him it's obvious Yeah,
1: real quick, real quick, I just need to point out, in Flash's locker, he has a yellow textbook that says the word Flash on it, just that (laughs) word. (laughs) <laughs> and then also, like, a pinup of, an, uh, like, a, kind of an old school looking lady in a swimsuit.
0: <laughs> of course he does. <laughs> of course he does.
1: I just love that he, like, either, he either, like, has a book that is just called Flash, or he, like, put a cover on one of his textbooks and wrote his name on the yeah, cover.
0: Yeah, it's probably, like a, like, a book cover or something, like <laughs> yeah. a paper book cover. <laughs> and yeah, instead of writing, yeah. like, bio, he just wrote his name. <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Well, how would I know it's mine? <laughs> I don't know, because it's bright yellow. Yeah, so Flash is there, and they do like the little like Flash is busy and like hears stuff but doesn't notice it gag, but it doesn't last too long. He realizes like pretty quickly, like, oh shit, Spider-Man and Venom are fighting right here. And he kind of like peeks around the locker, like just as Venom has Spider-Man pinned. And and Venom is like nearly feeding, like he pulls Spider-Man's mask up and is nearly like pouring the gene cleanser into Spider-Man's mm-hmm. mouth, but is gloating again. A little Mm -hmm. too much, which gives Flash the opportunity to like distract him. And like, not even necessarily well or intelligently, but like enough, right? Because Flash is like, You got the wrong guy, which is never gonna fool Venom. And Flash probably wouldn't even necessarily think that it would, but it's enough for the already gloating and cocky Venom to be like, I've got the right guy, and like turn his head away (laughs) from Spider-Man, which lets Spider-Man web the serum out of venom's hand and like slip away effective enough it works it works and you know uh, spidey gets flashed to
1: run away so that it can just be the two of them right now so venom grabs spider-man demanding we'll take that cleanser now and Spidey replies with his epic quip of this episode whatever you say and shoves the entire vial and half of his arm down venom's throat <laughs> wow it's rad you know i have to say though is as, as beautiful as that image is i'm going to talk about that later y'all know i'm about to talk about that image
0: <laughs>
1: as beautiful as it is it's such a risk for peter to put his it's entire arm very dumb. where in the mouth of this very sharp toothed creature that likes to bite things and just ate his webbing earlier like, <laughs> yeah, Venom could have taken out his arm. Like, I know uh, you could explain it as that he was just like shocked by Spider Man's entire arm going down his throat into his stomach. Like, yeah. I get that, that's why he didn't bite, but he could have bitten his arm off very easily.
0: Oh, yeah, oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> but it works. Spidey does not lose his arm in this episode, he's he's throwing putting his arm in there to pour the gene cleanser down Venom's throat and not have let Venom have any shot of spitting this up because it is, like, immediately in his stomach. So, pulls it out. The Venom symbiote is, like, clearly losing its, its structural integrity after just, like, a second. And then it just starts beginning to, like, pull itself off of Eddie. Like, even as he's walking, he's leaving, like, footprints of the symbiote. hmm So, like, fully rejecting Eddie. Eddie even calls it out, like, you can't reject me now! And uh, Spidey kind of follows follows Venom as he's becoming Eddie. The symbiote completely, like... Walks off of him or slides off of him, slithers off of him. That's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> slithers off of him and just immediately goes to a nearby shower drain. Since they are in a locker room, they are in the showers. Spidey does try to like web it up real quick, but like can't get it in time it gets away eddie is even like pleading to him like please you've got to help me get it back which shows like how kind of pathetic he is at this point yeah he's he's in like a fully fully codependent relationship with the symbiote um in a very bad way and when Spidey's like dude you're free you you have broken up severed the cord completely like you're free you don't have to deal with this anymore you can stop hating and eddie replies i can't it only loves me for the hate.
0: <laughs> yeah, which is pretty Yeah. Like yeah. sad, man. I don't
1: it's very sad. Like it's weird cuz like I kind of don't love the line, but it also totally makes sense for something that Eddie would say cuz he's a very uh very extra about all this.
0: Yeah, I think I mean I think I mean <sighs> I feel like we could dissect that forever. Ah uh, yeah. I think where I would land to be the least bothered by it cuz there are certainly places that I could be very bothered by it would be that it's something Eddie believes and that something Eddie's pulled from their relationship that may not actually be accurate.
1: Yeah. And yeah. I think
0: that to me makes it just sad and devastating and makes Eddie like, totally, total. I mean, he always is, I think. Almost entirely. I shouldn't say, like, not at all, but almost entirely just a victim of the Venom symbiote. This, I think, makes that abundantly clear if you treat it that way. I do think it gets, like, uncomfortable and weird if it, like, the more you believe it to be true. Because then you're like, oh, man, like, that's still devastating, but, like, also really shitty. Like, uh, I don't know. It's It's an interesting line, yeah. and I feel like you could you could sort of – because they don't really explore it, you could explore it in like 800 different directions and yeah, come up is. with different feelings like every way you go with it.
1: It's interesting because that's why I'm like I'm not really bothered by it. I think and, – and it's just like because I think what's in that line like makes a lot of – there's a, so many different ways that you can take it that I think are actually kind of powerful. Like there's so many angles that I think if you've been in any kind of like – fucked up relationship with anybody in any way like depending on what that dynamic was i think you can kind of draw something from that idea Mm -hmm. and and in this case especially because you know he and the symbiote bonded initially over like their shared bad experience of essentially in different ways being rejected by somebody that they like loved deeply and had an intimate relationship with or feeling betrayed by them um and it's sort of like I mean, it's literally like if two of your exes got together because of, like, how much they didn't like you. And it's just like, okay, but you guys don't actually, like, love each other, really. Like, you just love that you can both hate on... So another person is like together and that's not a healthy relationship to have clearly because Venom is not a healthy person clearly. But I think that there's definitely realist, like real life parallels that you can sort of draw from that sort of relationship because it's not an unrealistic relationship. Unfortunately, it's just, you just aren't necessarily always going to have a person calling it out in the way that he does.
0: Yeah. I have a question for you about specifically the gene cleanser and the Venom symbiote. Yeah, sure. Because initially, I was like, I, I'm i not seeing the line that we're drawing between the gene cleanser and the Venom symbiote. Then I thought about it and was like, well, I guess the Venom symbiote is modified by having been hosted by Spider-Man, who has genetically altered DNA. So then it absorbs some of that or is modified to some degree, obviously, as we see Eddie hosting Venom still has the like spider imprinted and powered up symbiote, right? Mm -hmm. So it makes sense that it would have an effect. But then my question is so if that has an effect, obviously I don't know to what degree that effect is, but you could assume that if it's a gene cleanser, then it's working because it's stripping a certain amount of power from the symbiote that it gained from Spider-Man in the first place so should it end up on another host how much of that spider power if any is left because presumably it would take Spider-Man's powers away so then presumably it would take Venom's Spider-Man powers away which I very much don't expect the show to do
1: I didn't think of it from that angle actually I thought of it I just thought of it a little more simply in that the gene cleanser like, I, the gene cleanser literally, like, cleans your genes. Like, it cleans your DNA. And I think that the implication is that, like, when you're the host of a symbiote, it is, like, even if it's only doing it when it's part of you, it is, like, kind of changing your DNA while it's a part of you to become part of you. Mm-hmm. Which makes sense because he can, like, sh- turn his stomach into a mouth. So, like, I think that checks out. And <laughs> so when he's drinking the gene cleanser, it is essentially turning his DNA back to... Human, which I think would kind of would kill the symbiote and kill its connection, and so the symbiote's reluctantly detaching itself from Eddie as a defense mechanism because if it's part of Eddie while the gene cleanser is in his system, it it will die and it can't stay with him, so it has to leave. And I think that had the gene cleanser like gotten out of his system, like I don't know how long that would take, but I assume it's not going to stay in his body forever. If the symbiote were just in a jar next to him and the gene cleanser got out of his system completely. He could reattach himself to the to the symbiote and be fine. Because the problem in the with the case episode is,
0: of Eddie and Venom, what it's cleansing from Eddie's genes is Venom.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's okay. it's literally cleansing the symbiote being attached to his DNA and altering it. So like it's not like I think that the symbi- the symbiote had a choice to either stay with it stay with him and die or not. And it decided that it needed to leave, which I, th- I would argue is a survival mechanism. But if you want to give more agency to it, which the show kind of does treat it as having a lot of agency and having a mind of its own, you could also take it as the more tragic, like, it doesn't love Eddie enough to die for him. So it was like, all right, peace out, bro. Sorry. Yeah. You could argue what one or another, but, you know, we don't really know for sure. And I think that, like, it going into the drain was just, like, protecting itself from being captured by Spider-Man or whatever, because obviously we see at the end of this, that it's still at least walking around, even if it's not thriving. So yeah. So I think that's the ultimate fault is that it doesn't stick around for long enough to allow itself to reattach itself to Eddie later.
0: Now, what's interesting is like being halfway through this season that we now know is the last season of the show. It's, it's not unreasonable that this could be the last time we see the symbiote, at least with regards to Eddie, we have yeah. seen Cletus in this season. So I would mm-hmm. not be surprised if it somehow ended up over there in a bizarre way. I'm not expecting that because it would be kind of a pretty drastic shift from the story I would expect, mm-hmm. but the show is the show, so who knows? Who knows? Yeah. So if if this is like the end of what they intended for the Venom Symbiote for this season and thus the end of the Venom Symbiote for the show, I would love to ask the creators of the show like what they envisioned the gene cleanser was doing like what what was the effect that resulted in the two of them separating and like what lasting effect if any would that have on the symbiote itself or was the gene cleanser specifically for eddie you know like i'm fascinated by this Only because at first I was like, this shouldn't work. And then tried to figure out a way in my head that it worked, which ended up being like totally different than like how you interpreted it. So like I love that that can happen. (laughs) So I want to have a conversation about that. I bet that that
1: question has been asked before. Like I'm going to I'm going to do a little search on on ask
0: Greg. Sure. Because
1: that seems like because it is such a like it's not it's not a solution that's like in, like, comic book canon or anything. Like, it is one that is organic to this show yeah. that they created. And I have to feel like other people kind of had that same the same sort of – not quite confusion, but just, like, it's it's left vague un, un, to how it works. So I think people – I can't imagine other people wouldn't wonder that and ask him that.
0: And this show, I cannot imagine, would be the type of show that would be like, oh, how do we separate Phantom and Eddie? Oh, you know what? The gene cleanser. Just give him the gene cleanser. Without having a reason – for why that yeah. would be the solution in the first place. Right. So I'm like fascinated by that detail.
1: Yeah, because it definitely is different than like making a lizard turn back into a human. Like it's a different right, situation. Right, right. Well,
0: and there's two organisms there, right? Like yeah. with Spider-Man, there's one organism that's genetically modified. With lizard, there's one organism that's genetically modified. With venom, there's two if it's being hosted. So mm-hmm. enters a new variable into the equation. Something to think about. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, yeah. So after this, outside the school,
1: Eddie is being taken away in a <sighs> strapped gurney, screaming that he'll destroy Spider-Man. Yet we're Venom. I just
0: want Eddie back. <laughs> I know.
1: I know. It is weird because like we were kind of talking about last week on like the way that they. Treated like John at the end of the lat at at the end of that episode, yeah, where it's just like he's gone crazy. I think it's a little more justified here because we've seen a very slow process of Eddie, yeah. just becoming a very damaged person that is in desperate need of it's help.
0: Really built up. It's it feels like decay yeah. as opposed to just like he's crazy, like you said. Yeah, so I think it
1: does work better here, and it's also I mean, and it's not like I mean, it's still. It's never been treated as a joke on this show, I don't feel like, but it's, it's definitely not here, especially, because it's, like, yeah, it's sad. The most, you know, the most, the most um, uh, levity that we really get from it is, is Flash kind of scoffing, like, Rock isn't Venom. Like, he's, Venom's twice his size. That doesn't make any sense, which I think is also meant to imply that, like, because Eddie has, is in this really bad state, no matter how much he tells people that he's Venom and Spider-Man is Peter Parker, they're not going to believe him. So. Right.
0: Right. He's he's in a state where no one's going to believe the things he says. Yep. Yeah. You, you mentioned Flash sort of, like, commenting on Venom and, like, whether or not to believe Eddie, this, which is, like, a really, like, serious thing. But then, like – I mean, he, he doesn't say it in, like, a really dour or, like, uh, with a lot of gravity or anything. Um, but then he shifts, like, immediately to, like, other onlookers and is, like – but also, like, hey, did you guys – You guys hear that like I got a personal thanks from Spider-Man, like the Spider-Man, which is classic Flash helps Spider-Man results. It's great. (laughs) Yeah, it's
1: good. It's good. (laughs) This is so weird.
0: Oh, my gosh. All of this, every bit, every, every damn bit of this is so weird. This show has done direct homages to horror movies, and I've never been so disturbed as I was Uh by this next thing.
1: Yeah, which and even the setup of it is just like, huh? I mean, okay, hmm, all right, um, because Mister Devereaux just shows up and is like, "Hey, Flash, I saw your performance as Spider Man in the street, and that makes you the perfect, perfect for a role in my play." Which I think it for it's it's like played up into flash is to be like you were such a good actor playing spider-man that i'm going to offer you a role in the play but the art that he's offering him is nick bottom in a midsummer night's dream which is you know like a person that's like meant to be kind of a doofus so like i think that's more like mr Devereux is like you are a little weirdo and very silly so that makes you perfect for this part so, like, it's weird, but it, like, makes sense, I guess. But <laughs> what's really weird is a moment Flash is like, oh, hey, Shoshan, haha, look, uh, I got a part. guess we're going to be having a lot of time together. And then Shoshan's like, okay, well, you won't mean much rehearsal because you've agreed to play Nick Bottom, who is a comic relief character who was turned into a donkey. She doesn't say all that to Flash. She's just like, you just agreed to play Nick Bottom. But you've, you've got that part locked in, buddy. But the implication, if you don't know, is that Nick Bottom is a comic relief character who is turned into a donkey, which is represented on screen in a little weird imagined spot where Flash's head is literally turned into a donkey's head on screen and is left like that for the rest of the scene. I hate it. I don't, like, it's so out of character for this show. And if it was just, in a like, the show's done kind of like fantasy sequences before, but never like this. And if it is, it's for like a second. And if, I think I would be more okay with it. If she sees Flash's head turn into the donkey for a second, he's like, huh? And then, you know, it cuts back to normal. But, like, it stays like that. He has multiple little, like, reactions with that face. It holds on that face for a long time. It's weird. Don't like it. Not a fan.
0: Yeah, I I really don't like it. It might be my least favorite thing the show's ever done. I, like, I already don't like when they do the superimposed, and they haven't done this in a while, but I already don't like when they do the superimposed mask on Peter's face. I don't mind them doing like hallucinations or like uh, like peripheral vision tricks of the mind type things. Like when Eddie shows up on a building or when Harry is suddenly the goblin and then suddenly not the goblin, right? Like those things I I am fine with. But the superimposed things, I already don't like very much, but they're obviously superimposed. It's like a, a like sort of transparent mask over Peter's face. This is not that. It's not like a transparent donkey over Flash's face. Literally turns into a cartoon donkey for like way too long. (laughs) It's weird. It's weird, man. What? It's weird. What were you all on when you made that? (laughs)
1: <laughs> it's not particularly like funny and the thing is the thing you is, you have like, to the, get the joke too yeah they don't explain the joke which is i mean it is it is like funny that they're like thinking on that level which is great for audiences but like you know a lot of kids watching aren't really going to be familiar with characters from <laughs> some nice dream probably um which you know is i think is pretty normal it, but yeah but the thing is like it's i think it would work it's a it's a it would be like a subtle joke enough just the fact that like flash thinking he's a big shot excited to be getting a role in the school play and probably still thinking that it's going to be like a lead hero only for it to be like a big doofus like we've seen him be all season and it's sort of like a nice little it's a nice little bow on his whole arc that he's been having where we've been exposed to more of his insecurities and everything all of that works all of it makes sense there's a funny in joke and it would be like a funny subtle joke for people who get it If you were in the know, adding the donkey on there just makes it so unsubtle. And the only thing that I would guess for why they did it is when is realizing like, oh, wait, not a lot of kids are going to realize that like Nick Bottom is the guy that turns into a donkey in this play, um, which they're not going to get more than that. But at least that, so they're like, well, we have to spell that out a little more for the kids
0: for why that's funny. I don't think this spells it out. I don't, think this, really. I don't think this explains the joke at all. It doesn't I think it, really. I think for someone who doesn't know who Nick Bottom is, I think this is this probably makes it more confusing. I think all they had to do, and I, I get that they they clearly wanted to pull this sight gag for some reason, but I think all they had to do is have Shoshan be like, oh, yeah, you'll be perfect for that part. Turn away to somebody else. Have that person say, isn't that whole part just a one big joke? And have her be like, yeah. There you go. That's the joke. You don't need to know who Nick Bottom is. You don't need to know what play they're doing. You don't need to know anything other than the part that he was just given as an absolute joke. The donkey doesn't actually explain that. It's just like a weird moment of like acid drip flashback. Like I don't – like what is (laughs) – The only
1: weird. I don't get it. (laughs) The the benevolent take that I can have on it is that they were doing that intentionally to inspire kids to look up A Midsummer Night's Dream to be like, oh, you don't know about Shakespeare? Look it up. Maybe you'll like it. That's hopeful. (laughs) That's my hopeful take on it.
0: That's real hopeful. (laughs) (laughs) Although it's like,
1: I don't know if by watching this and seeing Flash's head turn into a donkey, you're going to be like, I need to look up that play. I I feel like you're just going to be like, What the fuck, anyway?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean, I appreciate the symbolism of like Flash being cast in a part where he's turned into an ass. Yeah, yeah, that's been him. Like you said, it all makes sense. But this moment, I I just the moment. It's the moment. Don't understand, gang, (laughs) what inspired that choice? (laughs) Very weird. (laughs) Other than getting to draw donkey head, I guess.
1: Maybe that's it. Like, what else are we going to have an opportunity to draw a donkey on this show? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know.
0: Flash is a uh-huh. beast
1: <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Anyway, we're almost done with this episode. Back at the Connors Lab, uh, Miles Warren shares with the Connors that a vial of the gene cleanser is missing. And as a result of what he views as very substandard security, which mm, he's not wrong, mm-hmm. he's like... Well, I'm gonna ask the board to turn over management to me. And obviously the doctor's connors are like protesting that, but Miles is like, I can do it, dude. And you know, oh. I'm right, so bye.
0: Uh we were wary Yikes. of this guy the moment he showed up. Mm-hmm. We right to be. <laughs> uh, Just to imagine the shit he could do. Uh-huh. I don't like it. Yep. But I can't wait to see it. <laughs> mm-hmm. so we then cut to the bugle where ned is kind of i guess interviewing betty but it's so integrated into the scene that it's like barely that he asks betty if she thinks peter could be spider-man and if she'll go on a date with him but before she can say anything because she literally doesn't respond to that at all jamison interrupts demanding to learn what ned found through his interviews ned shows footage of peter at the halloween party And claims that this is probably where the rumor of Peter Parker being Spider-Man started. Hold on to that for a sec. And the reason why Peter likely isn't Spider-Man at all. Because the real Spider-Man would never walk around in his costume with his face shown. That all makes sense. It does convince Jameson enough. To which Peter's like, woohoo, awesome, love that. But here's the thing I wanted to revisit. Are we to understand that this was a rumor that already had been started or had been going on because of that? And that's why the reporters knew? Like, this was a thing that was brewing? Or is this literally just to sort of like rationalize to Ned and Jameson that, oh no, it couldn't have been? And I guess this is probably where it started in the first place because yeah. Venom has been defeated, Eddie is not considered credible and so they need a a rationale somewhere so it's more like a retroactive than an actual like
1: i think so i i think it's simply like
0: sense these reporters
1: the reporters don't make sense (laughs) i think it's i think it's simply trying to figure out where did where did venom get this idea oh this must be where he got this idea like i think
0: that's as simple as it is yeah that's what i figured too but i i wanted to give the show some credit and it just uh, these reporters man reporters (laughs) reporters <laughs> yeah I think we just
1: have to head candidate as just somebody somebody at the bugle leaked it Ugh. that's that's literally all it is I do I I think this this is really funny though because we commented so often on like how bad Peter is at his secret identity and how dumb the Halloween party thing was yep. and the fact that that was like that was the show kind of calling its shot for this where mm-hmm. it's just like yeah it was dumb wasn't it but guess what how dumb it was saved Peter's ass in the
0: end <laughs> Which is funny because it's also highlighted just exactly how dumb it is because there's literally video footage of it. Like, it simultaneously gets even more a terrible decision and also a, like, life-saving decision at the same time. Incredible.
1: Yeah, and Peter even has to, like, agree with it. Just be like, just like, isn't that a dumb thing to do? And Peter's like, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so dumb.
0: Yes, force (laughs) Peter to talk about how stupid he is when it comes to concealing his identity. Love that.
1: Yeah, I think that's great. I, uh, I think that's, that's, that's very clever. Yeah, no, I, I,
0: I like this a lot.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, after that, the next day, Peter sees a new copy of The Bugle. That is, that is a headline that is just denying that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. So the rumor, theoretically, is put to bed, right? So, um, yeah, so he's on his way to school, and as he passes by a sewer grate, and he's sort of like, well, I guess you can't win every battle, but at least I won that battle. We got to Underground, where the Venom symbiote is traversing through the sewers, still alive.
0: Um, Peter Parker would still be absolutely famous, um, as a result of this entire scandal, even oh, yeah. if nobody I mean, believes that he's Spider Man.
1: I'm willing to give some suspension of disbelief, just, <laughs> just and uh, or at least say that there's like some going to be some off screen moments during the last the next few episodes where occasionally he's still hounded by reporters, and it just kind of like slowly fades away because it becomes less and less of yeah. a story. Yeah. Um.
0: So I'm not expecting it to matter, but I'm just pointing out, like, yeah. This kid's face was plastered all over New York City.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm willing to I'm willing to do to give it some of like the 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 Simpson suspension of disbelief where it's sure. like yeah I mean Homer was an astronaut for an episode <laughs> like yeah he has won a Grammy but people don't know who he is it's fine he's just a normal guy
0: but it would actually I mean I'm like I said I'm not expecting it but it would actually be kind of cool if this drew attention to the fact that Peter Parker take spider-man's pictures which is something i could understand people not paying any attention to before yeah and i think they could if they wanted to use that in the future they could pull from this and say like wasn't that the kid that was in the papers and that would be kind of a cool connection for them to make not expecting it but they could do stuff with it
1: it would be cool yeah i agree i agree yeah you want to close us out yeah
0: (laughs) All right, so this episode ends with Captain Stacy, actually, and he's in class again. And this is where it starts to actually tie a little bit more together why Captain Stacy's actually there, if not in-universe, but like definitely out-of-universe, what they're doing with him. Mm -hmm. He's in his classroom, and he's talking about how he's grown to realize that maybe Spider-Man's insistence on wearing a mask isn't actually about hiding his identity as much as it is protecting those around him. And he's sort of musing on this. And then he turns to the classroom and asks if they'd agree. And it's revealed that he's only speaking to one person. And that person is Peter, who replies uncomfortably, because he's the only one in the room. "Um, Yes, sir. And then that's the end of our episode. (laughs) Not before, after Peter says that,
1: Captain Stacy literally walks out of the room without saying anything after that. So I love that this scene here is that Captain Stacy either asked Peter to stay after class or called Peter into the classroom, gave him this one monologue and then left without saying a word.
0: Yep. (laughs) And and Peter is, is, is rightfully uncomfortable. Like they draw him uncomfortable. Yep.
1: It's all it's all for dramatic effect. It's but it's 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 silly when you think about it. It works for a dramatic effect to like end totally. an episode on a like what the fuck moment. Like I, I'm okay with that. It's just funny when you think about totally. it. Totally. It's well, kinda and, weird. And
0: it starts <laughs> to direct you towards like why this might be happening and why in in universe it might be happening, but yeah. definitely out of universe why it's happening. Because in universe, when we were introduced to Captain Stacy as a temporary instructor, Harry asked, you know, Gwen, is this cool? And Gwen was like, yeah, but I think maybe he's trying to watch me. Well, maybe he's not watching you, Gwen. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's watching Peter. We don't know. But this this thought, sort of huh? at least, like, introduces that question based on, like, other media, right? Yep. So interesting to see where that goes. Yep.
1: Before we close out, faces the episode. We have two this time. <laughs> There's the face that Eddie makes when I think his line specifically is – oh we will um it's right after he's like come back to the lab and and peter's leaving him and it's something else man and it holds on this face for a while and i don't know what it what it is but it's not good it's not cute.
0: Not, <laughs> it's cute not cute
1: not cute not cute i don't like um, it they made
0: eddie like not cute
1: <laughs> very i don't yeah it's just just look at it i mean can't even describe I it like it's it. uh yeah, don't like it. Don't like it. Find it on our social <laughs> media on our website. Just look at it for yourself. His and sideburn the looks cool, though. His sideburn does look cool. Nothing else on his face does, no, though. No. Unfortunately, the other one, look, I Doug, tell me all about it. Can I? I literally have had this screenshot on my Google Drive since the very beginning of this podcast, perhaps before it, when I knew that we were doing it. I just came upon it on the internet and be like, I remember that. Let's save this, just specifically to unveil it and just whip it out. Yeah. Once that once we finally got to it and finally sixty five episodes in, we <laughs> have gotten to the screenshot that I have had for so long of Spider Man sticking his whole ass arm into Venom's mouth down his throat. Yep. Venom's eyes bulging out in utter surprise. I love it. I hate it, but I love it beautiful it's terrible it's the best
0: all the above yep all of the above <laughs> yep Yep. i was very caught off guard as you as you should be i think there was already <laughs> quite a bit of like as there frequently is like already quite a bit of like innuendo or at least like reference or illusion oh, yeah. oh yeah and then this happens
1: i might make this my twitter avatar <laughs> <laughs> actually
0: I like the idea that you've been waiting like two years to make this your Twitter avatar.
1: Yep. Oh man. Cool. Well, we have talked so fucking much about this episode. It's venom.
0: It's venom. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's a a weird, it's one of the weirder episodes. If we were to do a ranking of the season, I'm even like, even knowing what's coming after this, I really have no idea where I would place this one just because it's so strange.
0: Yeah. I don't either. And that's, I mean, this is already like a really difficult s- series to rank things on. Oh, yeah. So I- I- I'm like afraid of where this would fall, if only because it stands out so much from the rest. But I would have a hard time putting it last. Yeah. Because it's so fun.
1: It's very fun. Yeah, it's fun. Just weird. Just focus. Just, just yep. like I said before, interested in, in different things that the show is normally interested in. And totally. it makes it really hard to assess. But it's fun. And I guess if, if that's all that matters, definitely works on that regard. It's fun. Action's great. Looks great. Cool. Yeah. I'm not mad about it.
0: Yeah. No, I, I like <laughs> it. And, you know, we explored like a lot of, weirdly, we explored a lot of our thoughts at the top of this episode. So I'm not even sure like – yeah. What else to say other than it's weird and that like I, I love the way you put that, though, that it's just interested in things different than it normally is. I think that's the perfect way to describe this episode.
1: Yep. Well, all right. Well, I think that's enough. Let's just go ahead and uh, pivot to talking about our Patreon oh, in a way that is not Perfect very... segue. Oh, you did? <laughs> I did. Cut out what I just said and you say it. Let's, we'll keep all this in and pretend that I didn't just say that, listeners. We'll do that.
0: What's well, your segue? If you are in, if you are looking f now, now, I'm flustered.
1: <laughs> We've been recording this for too yeah, long. This too is long. too long in an episode. If you're interested
0: in hearing <laughs> us talk about things that are normally different than what we talk about on our feed and therefore maybe are exploring things that are interested in different. I don't know, whatever. I
1: liked where I liked that would have been good if I didn't mess up. <laughs> Okay. That was a great idea. You know what? Just like this episode, great concept, kind of so-so execution, <laughs> but
0: concept was spot on. We have a Patreon, okay? We have a Patreon. <laughs> you should go to our Patreon at patreon.com slash where we put more content that is typically different than what we do on our main feed. Tiers start at $1. That gets you most everything. Check it out. See what's for you. In the meantime, where can we find you, Derek?
1: You can find me with my brand spanking new Venom avatar on Twitter <laughs> at Derek B. Gale. You can also find me on YouTube under my video essay series Second Chance, which looks a bad or divisive media, but from a positive lens.
0: What about you, Doug? You can find me on Twitter at IckyBooley, I-C-K-Y-B-O-O-L-E-Y. You can also find me on another podcast here on the 4 eyed Radio Network called Victory Road, a Pokemon podcast, where my co-host Kyle and I talk about Pokemon just as we feel like it. And if you are into books, video games, pop culture, Little bit of everything in those categories, check out another podcast called Novel Gaming, where my friends Katie, Vicky, and I explore everything we're reading, playing, and thinking about. If you would like more of me and Derek together on a podcast that's not Spider-Man, check out our new monthly podcast called Falling with Style, an ongoing Pixar movie marathon, where we watch every Pixar film chronologically, available wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, you can visit us on our website at wallopingwebsnappers.com. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at wallopingwebpod, or email us at wallopingwebsnapperspodcast at gmail.com. Please rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, but specifically give us ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. Because that's the easiest way to help us. If you enjoy what we're doing, someone else will too, and that will help them find us. If you write a review, we will read it dramatically and post that online, just for you and the whole internet. Next week, Spidey gets caught in the beginnings of a gang war in the episode, Accomplices. See you then! Bye! With Spider-Man, there's one organism that's genetic – with Spider-Man, there's one organism that's genetic – oh my god, genetically –